Welcome to Trove Talk, your weekly gaming and getting to know you podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Starkey from trevortrove.com. And joining me this week, I have Ben Bellevue. How are you doing, Ben? I'm good. How are you, Trevor? I'm doing all right. So we just got back uh, from PSX uh, last week where we hung out uh, quite a bit. You and I uh, especially had a Disney day uh, Friday before PSX. That was a ton of fun. And I dragged you out of the... uh convention center Saturday morning so yes that was that was also yeah. delightful um, no I mean we like yeah we had we had a good chat good, good yeah. getting to know you time uh, <laughs> waiting to get back into the show um, yeah and uh, and so kind of uh, on the heels of that I was like oh like I want to like Ben was already on my list of, to, of people to have on the show so I figured I could bring you on we could talk about our PSX experiences kind of later in the show and the uh, in the in the wrap up stuff and uh, and yeah, just kind of get to know you a little bit better as I did um, uh, waiting in line at Disneyland as well. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I wanted to bring you on and keep you from doing your homework that you should be doing because I'm an irresponsible adult and a horrible role model for this community. <laughs> okay, I'm responsible too. That's it works out. There we go. Perfect. We're all it's it's that time, it's that time of year. We'll we'll make it work. So. Um, uh, what uh, it for for people that don't know you? Um, uh, where can they find you? Where are you? What are you doing out there on the internets? Um, um, I do very little out there on the internets. Um, okay. Besides, like being on social media, um, I can be found at Mr. Bento Box on pretty much any social media platform except Twitter, unfortunately, which infuriates me because um, on Twitter I'm Mr. Underscore Bento Box. Um, and Twitter's my favorite social media platform. Oh, now on Snapchat, I'm Ben to Game because you ben. can't change your Snapchat username, and I hate that. Ah, dearly. Why? Why did you pick Ben to Game? So, um, actually, you know what? I'm gonna reserve answering that because that ties into a question Zagger asked. Okay. Um, <laughs> then, we, then we'll come back to that later. Um, and uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I think I think I may have known this. But uh, it was it was more confirmed or, or validated uh, when uh, when I was talking to uh, our friend Brienne at Disneyland on Monday. But you do a little stuff. You do a little bit of stuff for her, right? With uh, with movies. Yeah, um, it's very minor. She puts out a tweet every week for her uh, show, Six Series of Feature Film, which people should check out. Um, hit or miss movies, and. When she puts out the tweet, she asks a question, and I kind of gather all the answers to that question into a document that she can look at and read off. So it is very simple. I've acted nice, so I'm surprised she doesn't hate me. But that's what. I mean. She instead she she sends Jeremy Johns your way. So I know yeah, that's a that was weird. That was he, awesome. And he, and he tweets about you. Hmm. Uh, cool. Well, uh, so without further ado, uh, the for those of you just joining us for the first time, uh, strap in. This tends to be a very long show. Sorry. Uh, the uh, the general premise of the show uh, kind of broken out into four segments. Uh, first, we'll go over Ben's gaming history. Second, we'll talk about his favorite game. Third, we will talk about a getting to know you topic, something outside of the gaming sphere. And then finally, we'll kind of wrap it up with trove topics or the uh, the audience questions or just kind of uh, talking about stuff in general. So like we might talk about PSX uh, as we both were attending that last week. So uh, yeah, go ahead, Ben. Lead us into uh, um, your gaming history. Quick realization on my part. Okay. I'm done. Moved to podcasts. I forgot to put headphones on, so 
that could be an audio issue right now. Oh, okay. Yeah, let's go ahead and uh, and, and get that sorted out. I'm gonna go do that. Okay. Hello. I'm great. Hello. Great. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't hearing myself in audio, so that's uh, that's okay. better than nothing. Um, but it, yeah, it might be. It might. I might have to do some uh, some editing yeah. stuff on the back end. Sorry about that. No worries. We'll just keep running because. Okay. I feel like doing the whole rigmarole again. <laughs> Garbage truck on fire. Garbage truck on fire. Absolutely. Staying on brand with the kind of funny community, of course. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, now now that you are all headphoned up, uh, go ahead and kind of lead us into your gaming history. Yeah. Um, geez, I've been playing video games most of my life. Um, my first, I don't know if it's my first time actually playing video games at all, but my first distinct memory of it is uh, my Game Boy is playing Pokemon uh, Blue on my Game Boy. That was the first system I ever had. So the street I lived on was full of kids my age. I don't know why, it just happened that way. So we'd all go out, hang out on the street, and play Pokemon together, and like trade uh, tips. We would, there was a glitch where you could, through, I don't even remember how you did it, it was complicated, but you could clone a Pokemon. So we would teach each other how to clone like our Blastoise or my Blastoise and then I would trade the Blastoise for my friend and get their Charizard or have an army of Blastoise and that was my entire lineup. Um, so no, that was my first time. That was my first game. And then I played Game Boy for a while until the PS2 era. And my the beginning of me playing the PS2 was playing at my friend's house. Um, friend's house. And... Wait, why, why is why is friends in quotes? Oh, I'm about to explain it to you. Okay. Um, so he was like a family friend. He's actually a cool guy now. We're friends. Um, I like him. But back then, we did not get along very well. And he would often threaten us with, well, if you're not nice to me, you can't play on my PS2 anymore. And eventually my dad got fed up with that. So he bought me a PS2. And that was the way I finally earned my first at-home console. Um so I got PS2, and that was mostly a that was mostly a way for me to play multiplayer games with my friends. So like, I know a lot of people. Um, I know I've talked to Moises um, Tavares about that, who's also a kind of funny fan, um, as you know. And he he talks about like, oh yeah, the PS2, all these single player games. And like, I played Jack and Daxter and Ratchet and Clank, but for the most part, PS2 for me was Madden and Star Wars Battlefront and they had the Naruto fighting games that I played the shit out of. Am I allowed to cuss on this? Of course, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, uh, yeah, I, I throw up the explicit warning. I, I, I'm going to go. Good, yeah. Um, it is hard for me to turn that off. Um, so there's that, Dragon Ball Z, uh, Soul Calibur. So for a long time, gaming wasn't something significant to me. It was just something that you do. It's in my life. I play them with friends. Like, that's what you do. Um and then instead of going in, out and playing like ball in the street, you guys were playing Pokemon in the streets. So yeah, that's a little, yeah. I mean, okay. We played ball too. Um, we had a diversity of interests, but yeah, no, it was, it was a social thing for me. Um, and then the PS3 came out and when that happened, I, um, I don't, know what it was specifically that 
flipped then, I guess, because couch co-op games or couch multiplayer games stopped being a thing as much. So I started buying single player stuff. So I started playing like Uncharted and Infamous. And I was like, holy shit, games are so much more interesting than I gave them credit for when I was playing multiplayer. And I love multiplayer. It's not a multiplayer. It's not good. It's just I love story. And I'd not really been presented with like an Uncharted level story until then. Okay. Um, and that was my tipping point where I started going like, I'm going to read about video games. I'm going to go on IGN and listen to podcasts and find, and like I got into podcasts beyond and I started uh, listening to GameScoop and all that kind of stuff. And that's really when I consider myself becoming a gamer. Um, and I've been playing games ever since then. I play, um, what do I play? I, I mean, that's not the right way to say it, but like, yeah, I played, um, shit, what are the games in PS3 era that I played? There's so many games in PS3. Uh, Skyrim. Like, I played Skyrim and I started playing oh, I'm all so these sorry. things. I, <laughs> I love Skyrim. Um, but on the PS3, and, was, that, that had to have been rough. Was it on the PS3? No, it wasn't. I So I bought an Xbox 360. This was a big moment for me. Ah, okay. I bought a 360, um, and I was like, I now have both systems. And I started playing rated M games, because my parents didn't let me play rated M games until I was like 14, 15. Um, so when the, that was an also a big moment. Those floodgates opened, and like, because so many high-quality games nowadays are rated m- mature. So if you don't have access to them, you're playing in a very different field of video games. So I started playing, you know, Assassin's Creed and um, Skyrim and that kind of stuff, and Halo. Uh, Halo ODST was the first time I ever played a Halo campaign, and that was amazing. Um, and then I've I, I've been playing video games ever since I bought the PS4. Uh, the day it came out, I played tons of games on that. I what? I got the Xbox One, and then I left it at my house when I moved to college. And I was like, I don't, I'll leave my family because they use the Kinect to control the TV. And then I got to college, and I was like, but I kind of want an Xbox, and bought an Xbox One S. <laughs> because why not? You're you're helping um, Microsoft try and uh, close the gap. Legitimately, I tweeted about this. I bought the Xbox One S after the PS4 Pro was announced because I watched the PS4 Pro reveal, and I was like, this is kind of selling you on an S. Nice. And and that's why I did it. Um, so, yeah, no, I... Games have just been a very big part of my life ever since then. Um, even when I go through bouts of, like, not playing games, I read about them all the time. I, I exist in that culture. Um, and I feel like Tim Geddes has said this before. Or I remember hearing him say this one before, where he's almost more interested in the culture of video games than video games themselves. And I feel like I'm kind of that way too, where I can go in and out of like, I have time to play games or I have the energy to like dedicate all my time to a game. As with TV and movies, I can watch and get work done at the same time. But I'm always fascinated by the culture of it. I'm much more interested in video game conventions like PSX that we just went to than like TV conventions, even though TV is probably the thing I care about the most. Okay. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious, like you, you started with Nintendo, and then mm-hmm. Nintendo. Like, did like did you have any Nintendo consoles, or was it really just like Pokemon and Game Boy? Oh yeah, no, I did. I had um, the handhelds my entire life. So I went from okay. Game Boy to Game Boy Advance to SP to DS to 3DS. Like I've I've had them all. Um, 
And I've repeatedly bought them for Pokemon, then sold them because I didn't care anymore. And then the next Pokemon came out, and I was like, shit. Um, I rebought the DS so many times. Um, Whoops. Because I was young and stupid. I was young and stupid. Um, but no, I had a Wii, and I have a Wii U too. It's just those are very ancillary systems to me, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, they aren't the core thing I play on. They're things I pick up once in a while when I don't play Smash or Mario Kart or something. Um, but no, I do have them. I never had a GameCube, unfortunately. That was right before I hit the stage where I was like, I'm going to buy every system. Um, and I know GameCube's supposed to be amazing, so. It was all right. <laughs> okay. Well, it's like I, I came I came to the GameCube late, so my my uh, vantage point of it is very skewed, uh, admittedly. Right. And like uh, I know, like Switch, uh, or there's a there's either a rumor, a report, or or it may have been confirmed um, that the Switch is going to have like GameCube games on its virtual console, and so they're talking about Luigi's Mansion and Super Mario Sunshine, and those are two games that I just never actually played because I came so right. late to the GameCube that I it it wasn't. I was already on the the PS2 wagon basically at that point yeah. um, myself. So, uh, so yeah, I, like I, I jokingly throw the GameCube under the bus, but it's, it, I mean, the like something like um, Paper Mario Without in Your Door, one of my favorite games of that generation was on the the GameCube. So, um, yeah, I was just curious. Like, have you um, coming in with Game Game Boy and then kind of your first generation was the PS2, Xbox, and uh, yeah. GameCube era. Did you ever go back to um, kind of the earlier generations and do like Super Nintendo or Nintendo or Genesis or anything like that? I haven't. Um, I want to eventually because, you know, there's so many amazing games out there. And I have played a few NES games, um, like on Virtual Console on my 3DS. I have uh, Zelda, the first Zelda game. But I have never picked up the box and been like, okay, I'm going to start actually amassing these amazing games that I really should play. I just haven't. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's consuming, you know, there. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I, yeah. I have, I've, I don't go back. I've never watched like Citizen Kane or, or the Godfather movies or stuff. It's, I know they're good. Um, but yeah. I, I've got so many other things on my plate that I just haven't taken the time to, and, and Joey Noel hates me for having never watched the Godfather movies. Um, Same. Like, it's, I that's, that's one of my best friends gives me shits for not, for not watching the Godfather movies. I'm like, look, I know you're right. I'm a film major. I should have seen these. And I own them. However, I just never get around to it. Yeah. It's like, there's time. It's time. And yeah. new new is nice. Uh, new is convenient. New is, new is being part of the conversation. Yeah, uh, exactly. Like, it's on your mind when it's immediately being presented to you. So I'll see a video game that I think looks amazing but if i wait long enough for it to pass i just inevitably end up being like i don't care it's, yeah. it's gone like it, it just it it's water under the bridge now but leading up to it i'm like that sounds so cool oh everyone's talking about it i should buy this you just there's that switch eventually yeah absolutely so uh in your history with pokemon have you kind of played every every generation oh yeah yeah oh yeah um uh, i played First gen, I played uh, Silver, I played Ruby, I played, what came after Ruby? I played Emerald, um, which is still Ruby still generation. Still that, um, yeah. yeah. What was the one after Pearl. that? Black and White? Uh, Diamond and Pearl first. Diamond oh, Pearl. yeah, yeah, Diamond and Pearl. I forgot about Diamond and Pearl, shit. Everyone does. Um, yeah, 
Um, no, Diamond and Pearl, X and Y, um, Black and White, Black and White 2. I'm in the middle of Sun right now, but I've lost all my free time to PSX and Finals. So Yay, Finals. Woo! Woo. Um, cool. Uh, so... I'm I'm intrigued by like a lot of the the PS2 fighting games that you played. Sure. For me, like uh, that was my my Nintendo game systems were where I would play with friends, and that was right. my social experience. Co-op, couch co-op, Nintendo being kind of the kings of that. Um, so what uh, what about the fighting games? Was it that kind of hooked you? In? Were you already like Naruto or Dragon Ball Z fan? And yeah, so you saw the game and were like, I want to play that. That was part of it. Um, you know, I grew up. For my generation, at least, I feel like there was a period where anime wasn't really... Like, it was a thing, but there was that little bubble that wasn't really considered anime. So things like Yu-Gi-Oh! Um, and Naruto and Bleach and One Piece were just kind of cartoons. They were the cartoons you watched as a kid. Um, and all my friends watched them. So when we were looking for games to play, I don't remember if I specifically chose to buy them, but I know that my friends... I know I eventually ended up with them. My friends might have had them first when we played at their house, and I'm like, I'm going to get it so we can play at my house. Um, but that's what we ended up playing was Naruto because Naruto and Dragon Ball Z because it's Dragon Ball Z, and they're good games. Um, at least I remember them being good games. I was also 11, so it's possible I had a very strong veil of like, it's fun because it's Naruto. Yeah, And garbage. I don't know. Cool. Um, throughout all of this, uh, did you ever get into PC gaming at all? A little, um, but it was very minor. It wasn't like, li I played backyard soccer on my, not soccer, backyard baseball on my PC. Okay. And that was about the extent of it, I think. Um, I played Madden on my PC before I got the PS2. I know that because my dad is a big football fan. He raised me as a big football fan. So football was something I played. Um, but I was like, the games that you think of as like the PC gaming thing, like, I never really got into those. Um, I have a gaming PC now. I try and use it. I inevitably want to use my PS4 instead. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, just because it's easier to kind of manage, I or like, is that I where like your friends couch. are? Yeah. I, it's where my friends are, um, and I like the couch. I I'm used to sitting on a couch with a controller. I'm not used to sitting in a chair. Which, by the way, I have my uh, dorm chair to use for sitting at my computer. So it's not really the best chair to use for that. Yeah. Maybe if sense. I had like one of those high quality gaming chairs, I would, but I don't. So yeah. Here we are. Okay. Cool. Um, so you get into, you, you get into storied games like uncharted, like, uh, like infamous. Um, yeah. and I mean, we'll, we'll obviously delve more into uncharted in a little bit. Um, spoilers. And, uh, <laughs> and you talk about, uh, kind of television being, um, your one of your favorite things, which we will also get yeah. into. Spoilers. Um, yeah. uh, so storytelling, obviously, was one of the other kind of topics you brought to the table. Um, yeah. In, in terms of kind of uh, uh, potential getting to know you topics. So what? Uh, how do you kind of? How do you see storytelling in the medium of video games versus um, versus other mediums? And like, do you do you ever find yourself comparing the two? Yeah, um, to a degree, I think in video games, storytelling is a much more, it has the potential to create a lot more of an attachment because it's not a narrative, it's a simulation. Um, 
And so the reason I love like TV and I love the Marvel movies right now and I love video games is because I get attached to worlds and to people. So when you give me a continuous world or a very long world, it gives me more of a chance to get attached. But video games are able to do that in a more unique way because, or not more unique, but like I'm attached to the world of Journey. And Journey isn't actually that much longer than a movie would be. But because I'm interacting with it, because it's a simulation to me, not a story I'm being pulled along for, because the decisions matter to me, the things that I interact with, the things that are interacted with within that world are me interacting with it. Mm -hmm. it. It creates that attachment much faster. So video games have the potential to pull you in in ways that, not that movies and TV shows I don't think can, but in ways that is much harder for them and usually requires a lot more time on their part. Oh, I mean, I would say it definitely does it in the ways that they can't um, because movie TV, like that's, that's shot. It's in the can. It's never going to change regardless of what you're doing as a, as a, as a viewer of the show or the movie or whatever. Um, it's, it's basically a done product at that point. Whereas games, it is uh, much more of a, a relationship between player and product uh, in, in, I, in the experience that you're going to get. I think that's true to a degree, but I also think there's a bit because in video games, that's a, it's very clear that things will change each time you play it. But I think that can also hold true for movies and TV. The actual image you're being presented with won't change, but the way you interpret it based on what you're paying attention to this time, or you've gotten older, so you pick up on different details or you relate in a different way, that can change. And at the end of the day, the way you take it in is really what affects how it, what changes how it affects you than the actual change on screen. Yeah, I get. I, I guess I see that more as you as a person have changed in that subsequent viewing, and so you identify something else, or you were looking for something else. Um, but the the stuff was there the whole time. Oh yeah, in, it was in, in the in the finished film or TV product. Is but is, the stuff, but yeah, the stuff ahead. is in the video game too. Like whether if I come to a crossroad and I decide to go left or right in a video game and I can't go back. So I go right and I never see what's in the left. It's still there. I could have gone that way. I just didn't. When I'm watching a movie, you know, if I don't pick up on details, it's still there. I just didn't look that way. I didn't go that way. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, you're still being given a complete product with everything that could possibly be done available to you. And like, yes, video games are definitely very different. And it's a month, like I said, it's a simulation and movies aren't. I just think, I think we have this idea that movies are a complete experience. And once you've seen it once, it's like, that's it. That's what it is. But perception is reality to a degree and your perception can change. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, cause I've, I've, I've long kind of looked at like the arts as kind of like you've got TV and film as kind of a static. Yeah. There isn't like the, the film is not changing based on you being the audience member um, and, and watching it. Like if, if you, so my kind of dichotomy is, um, or trichotomy, I guess it would be, is you've got film, you've got theater, and then you've got video games as kind of like the spectrum of interactivity with the audience. Makes sense. So like the audience laughing or cheering when you see Guardians of the Galaxy or something um, doesn't change 
the pacing of the movie. It doesn't change anything like that, but it does in um, in a in theater. You know, there there are going to be slight changes. Uh, an actor is going to hold for laughs or something like that. Um, the 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 theater is still going to. It's always going to be something new. And gaming, I think, puts even more agency in the players' hands. Um, uh, in that regard, is kind of how I've looked at it. But I I do I do appreciate that. Yes, the the in in all three of those situations, you're getting a finished product uh, ideally, and um, and it is kind of up to the player in terms of what they see, um, what they don't see, or what, what the yeah. audience sees versus doesn't see. And yeah, it's definitely not like that movies are any, or TV is interactive in any way the same that, that uh, video games or even like you're saying plays are. I totally see that trichotomy. It's just, I don't think that they're purely unaffected by, like they, they themselves aren't affected. You know, they're still just them, but the way we take it in can change, which in a way is interacting. Mm -hmm. It's just on a personal level. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, cool. Uh, so like, uh, Halo ODST you touched on. Yes. Uh, that was your first Halo experience, you said? Yeah. I'd uh, played Halo 1 briefly, multiplayer with my at my friend's house. Um, and then... <laughs> My dad found out that I was playing Halo 1 at my friend's house and was not pleased. So I never got to play Halo again until I was 14. And uh, my parents were like, okay, I guess we'll let you play some rated M games. And I bought an Xbox 360 and I bought Halo ODST. And that was that. Okay. Did you Have you gone back and played the other Halos then to kind of round out the lore? Or did you care of... about the lore? Was it just the game... It's no, I, I, I like the world of Halo a lot. Um, I've read some Halo books. I watch Red vs. Blue, which is like Halo-y, um, kind it's, of. It's it's Halo-ish. They reference Master Chief. Yeah. From their perspective, yeah. they exist in that universe. Yeah, um, it's, it's, it's got to be canon, right? I mean, that's uh, that's surely got to be a... No. no. Maybe? It's no. Um, you could you could headcanon it. You could fit in in like a little corner of the universe that no one talks about. Um but, no, I, I have the Master Chief Collection. I've played some of Halo 1 with it, but I just keep getting distracted by everything else I need to play or just life. Um, so I've yet to get through one, nevertheless, all three of the original trilogy. Um, I have played Reach, which I loved. I've played 4. I've not played 5, even though I own that as well because it came with my Xbox One S. Um, I don't know if I will play 5 because I've heard many things about that story. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but you got to always make your own your own uh, judgment. Uh, oh, yeah. It's just like, if I had free time and I was like, I'm really bored. I have nothing to play. I guess I'll play Halo 5. That'd be one thing, but I have plenty to play. I still need to play Witcher. Yeah. It's sitting there on my game system. Um, I have it on the PS4 and the Xbox One, and I still haven't played it. Well, there you, well at least they're, they, they've got your money, so they don't care, really, they do. maybe at this point, if you do. Twice. So uh, yeah, it it sounds like Halo Five might go down the route of uh, of oh, like oh you just the switch gets flipped and you're not gonna play it anymore. <laughs> oh yeah, it's it was down that route a while ago. Yeah. I just happen to own it now by packaging. But yeah, um, cool. Uh, so going back to kind of your your following of the industry uh, a little sure. bit more. Um, so you you 
you got into IGN, you got into Beyond. How did you like? Do you remember how you found IGN as a, as kind of your go to site? Did you look around? Did you, I do, like, do you check other things around. out? Um, I do now. I look at GameSpot. Um, I looked at Polygon for a while and then kind of fell off that because I was still looking at IGN and then I started looking. Actually, um, I look at GameSpot now because we toured their offices during Kind of Funny Live. I was like, these guys are cool. Um, yeah, but I don't remember why, how I found IGN. I feel like I was looking around. I know it began with me reading um, Yahoo's video game section because they'd, once in a while they'd post an article on like the homepage of Yahoo. And be like, oh, cool, things about video games, that sounds fun. And they post like five articles or six articles a week, um, which is garbage now. But it seemed like, oh, my God, I can't wait for that next video game article. Um, so I started looking around. I think I went to Kotaku and Destructoid and IGN. I don't know how I found each of them, but I, I found IGN. And I was like, I like this site. I like the people on this site. I started listening to the podcast. And I was like, okay, this is... This is my video game site. This is what I'm sticking with. Um, although I get a lot of my news from Twitter now, so yeah, that's yeah. I, I, I definitely by follow by virtue of just following so many new people yeah. and stuff. I, like I'll 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 see a story well before it shows up on any of the sites because I'll see like people just retweeting something. Yeah, um, which is a it's a weird because I I don't remember myself how I came into IGN, but it was I mean like it was probably. Like back in the days when they had like a babes section, I was I just remember like that. a yeah. stupid horny teenager or something, uh, and and would go and and like click on babe of the day or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, probably like found it through some spammy link or something. Um, but I would also check out like their strategy guides and stuff like that. And then I don't even, like yeah, I don't even remember when I started recognizing like the people from the site. Like when they started becoming personalities. Because I didn't really get into Beyond until, like, uh, they put, they they live broadcasted Beyond Three Hundred on like the front page of the site. I had oh, yeah. like listened to bits and pieces of it before that, um, or like when they did like, um, like, when they would clip out a segment, I would like watch that video. But I wasn't listening to podcasts at the time, so yeah, um, like I saw that and I was like, oh, like these guys like are fun, funny. I'm going to check this out and, and started basically listening um, at that point. Um, yeah, I, was, sorry, go ahead. I was, I was, because you say clip out, which is, they were like recording videos of Beyond. I was listening to Beyond long before it was a video podcast. Right. So you there weren't clips. It's like you listen to the podcast or you don't hear it. Um, and if you were lucky, I was wondering, would do a, a, an animation to a, a segment. Yes. Or Danny Wiesner would have a new song, and you're like, yes, yes. this is what I wanted. The world is saved. Um, no, I I remember wondering what the podcast room looked like. Um, I actually saw a photo with just like a white room with a bunch of microphones. I was like, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's been a while. I was 14 when I started listening to the podcast and reading IGN, and now I'm 21, so or almost 22, so seven years yeah yeah you got to you you eventually or you met greg like early on and then i you, did you met him uh and then like sent him comparison pictures <laughs> uh that, yeah well that, like I looking back that, that was him. my oh okay he saw it or whatever but looking back that was like my first uh my first exposure to you 
um, mm -hmm. uh, like obviously I didn't recognize it was you at that time. Right, yeah. Like after kind of funny live when we, when we met in passing and stuff, um, I remember like I had remembered seeing that picture of, of like young you and Greg and then now you and Greg, um, yeah. And thinking, Oh, that's awesome. So cute. Look at those cheeks. I, uh, I got compliments on that. I have a bookmark, um, folder on my, on Chrome called ego. That is just every spot that's posted. So I can look at the compliments once in a while and just be like, nice. Yeah. Well, um, well done. Yeah. No, I, I didn't send it to Greg. I was at Portillo's, um, for a meetup. I met Kaylee. We were there too. Um, and Steven and Russ. Um, but no, I was there. I took the photo and then I got in my car and before driving off, I decided to just like, you know, cut it together and post it on my Twitter. I tagged Greg because like, oh, it's good to see Greg again. And next thing I know, it's on his Instagram. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I did nothing. I did not I did not instigate that happening. No, that's that's you absolutely did. You put it on Twitter. You tagged him. He well, I put it on it. my Twitter. Okay, yeah. but I'm not saying I did not expect him to take it and post it himself. Oh, okay. I'm yeah. flattered that he did. Yeah. It's not right. like I it's not like I sent it to him like, hey Greg, you know what should be on your Instagram feed? Yeah, but he does that sometimes. No, I know. He's a he's I a realized that after. He's a delightful uh, young man, and I say that he is. even though he's older than me. Um, We're all kids, as Greg says. Yeah, very true. Um, so obviously, that kind of led you into kind of funny. Were you kind of yeah. there, like when they when they left? You basically were like, "Well, I'm I'm with them now." Or had you been yeah. following kind of funny um, beforehand? Uh, like I had from the early game like, over Greggy shows and current conversation with Colin and stuff. Yeah, he posted. He started posting YouTube videos, and I was like, "Okay, I'll watch it." Um, and I didn't watch every episode of the Game Over Greggy show or conversation with Colin. Um, I still don't because time. But I, I was subscribed I basically from the beginning. Um, I remember when they tried to do a show where Colin created wrong, like explained the history of certain comic book characters. That was completely mm -hmm. wrong. Um, yeah, I was, just, I was following it. And then I kept following it and I was watching the Game Over Greggy show. I'm like, this is fun. And next day I know they're like, oh, this is everything now. We left. This is it. I'm like, oh, okay. This is what we did. Yeah. yeah, I had I had weirdly like just started listening to like because I I followed Greg on on YouTube, so like I saw I saw those videos pop up. Like I remember Disney Princess Fucklist popping up on yeah. like uh, like in my hey you you might like this videos, and I was like uh, maybe I'll get around to that at some point. Um, and and like uh, a month or two before they left, I was just like at work and just kind of looking for things to to listen to, to pass the time. And I started listening to like slightly older episodes. It was basically like right after they had launched their first Patreon um, mm -hmm. and like rebranded as kind of funny that I started like getting into their content more regularly. And then like a, a week or two afterwards, uh, they were like, and we've, we're leaving IGN. This is all we're doing now. And like, I didn't get any work done that day. I just like stayed locked to whatever I could find about them wherever, because they went and did like a, a GameSpot uh, interview that day. Or uh, and they, obviously they had like Colin and Greg live and, and, yeah. and Twitch stuff. And, and so, yeah, I was like, this is like, what is happening? The, the people that I had just met at the first PSX, like left they're like as as like the top of their at the yeah. top of their game. They had they had like left the uh, their thing to go off and do this other thing that was like a side project for them. And so I was like ah, but I was like all in on on day one there. Oh yeah, me too. Um, 
and have since gone back and like caught up on a lot of stuff. I still haven't like listened to to all of it. And, and like you said, like with just time constraints and trying to support so many other people and friends and stuff. Now I don't, I don't like, I'm, I'm well behind on, on any of those episodes, but it's still great to like support them and, and see obviously what, what they're up to. Colin was right. Just started uh, yeah. or just, just, just got announced, which is weird for me. And it like, I would, I would never say like, I'm taking credit for this. This is not what this story is about. But when I went and did the games cast with them last year, um, we did dinner afterwards, and he had just done a video in this vein talking about Kojima um, and all of the weird Kojima Konami stuff that was going on still, like, still in its, like, early phases, like, um, you know, this is May of last year, I think. Um, so well before he's left, well before he's doing his thing with PlayStation, um, but it was, uh, uh, like, he, he did that video, and he'd, like, asked for feedback on it and stuff. And I think like if you go find that in the Patreon and during that during dinner that night, um, I said I, I would love to see him get to do more of that stuff where he got to kind of take his his written word um, that he'd kind of had had grown over the years and put it in a video format. And I, I said and, and like you could call it Colin was right, but right as in like W-R-I-T-E. Um, oh. and, and Tim was like, that is a ball ass fuck name. And uh, <laughs> and. And and so it was very weird and surreal. Fast forwarding a year later to kind of funny live too, and they kind of announced that as as kind of a thing that they're working on. And I didn't even think about it at the time, but afterwards I was like, oh, that's like we had that whole conversation. That was neat. Um, and so I'm sure it was like it's been something that they've wanted to figure out a way to do for a yeah. long time. But the, the that I was like around in the the early phases of it or, or had, had talked about early phases of it was, uh, is, is surreal now that it's a real thing. And, and yeah. Colin has put in so much time and effort into editing it. So, um, and learning editing for it. So yeah, that's, uh, uh, yeah, I, I love those guys, obviously, you know, um, having traveled to plenty of shows this year to, to see yeah. and, and hang out with them I and, saw and your the list. community. Yeah. Yeah. Zyger beat me by one. Um, well, I mean, all the all the packs. It, it, I mean, he has he had a couple more that were like in LA around him that I just couldn't like easily make the hop over to. So and, and let's not forget, let's not forget, Zyger money. Yes, he hates he hates me saying that, but no, it's true. It, it is absolutely true. And Zyger, true. yes, you have money. That's that's yeah. a thing. You, you have money. Um, anytime he wants to argue that, I'm just gonna play the video of Kaylee getting. The PlayStation VR, and just be like, "There you go." This absolutely on point. I didn't. I wasn't there for it, but yes, I, like I found out right before everybody, right before we headed off to Portillo's, that, that was happening. Mm -hmm. I was like, "What are you, <sighs> yeah. Tiger? This is why people think you have money because you have money to do this stuff." Um. Anyway, um. Cool. Any any kind of final thoughts on kind of your gaming history or any any other like highlight memories that you wanted to touch on before we dive into your favorite game? Um, highlight memories. I don't feel like there are, um, PSX, the first PSX I went to, which was not the one we just had, but the year before that was a pretty cool one because I feel like I'd never really been surrounded by video game culture purely. Mm -hmm. Um, before I'd gone to Comic-Con in San Diego, which is, you know, has a large, subset of video game culture but it's not solely that by itself um and just like getting into the kind of funny community more and more over the year 
Um, that's an interesting because everyone talks about video games now. I'm like, this is weird. This is very yeah. new for me. Um, I used to write blog posts on Game Informer um, when I was 14, 15, 15. There's that, but no, there's nothing like super cool. significant. Nice. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I I, uh, I was at the the first PSX in in Vegas a couple years ago and had exactly that same kind of like surreal moment of being surrounded by video game culture for the first time. Yeah, um, and that's like, and that is directly what has led me down the path I've I've gone now. And and yeah, I am was was kind of experiencing that and being overwhelmed by it and saying, yes, this is like this is what I've wanted for years um, and haven't been able to find it uh, and now it's now I now I get a dose of it a healthy dose of it every couple months <laughs> yeah I I have that experience now too with um, as you know I'm in a fraternity for cinema major, or for film majors or for people interested in film so it's it's professional fraternity and it's uh, guys and girls and any other gender you identify as so what's really cool about it is I'll be in my student coffee shop you know sitting with my friends and we're all working on scripts and we're, you know, asking each other, oh, what do you think I should do in this scene? Like, how, sh how can I change this? I'm trying to word this right. And it's so cool. Like, I've, I've never been in a situation, even PSX, as much as I love it, that feeling of just sitting around a bunch of screenwriters trying to work out our ideas and put that stuff to paper is like, it's amazing. That's, yeah. I've never been so certain that this is what I wanted to do until that moment where I'm just like, okay, yeah, there's no going back. Nice, excellent, great. Um, it's a, a like, I, I forgot how young you are coming into this, and that yeah. like PS2 era would be kind of your first era. <laughs> so, I mean, I could have been in the PS1 era if I got the console. I just didn't. Right. Yeah. And and uh, so like you never even had N64, right? No. No. Hello. Have you? Did you, you, you young little upstart, um, with 3DS? Did you play like the like some of the classics there, of, like Super Mario 64 or Ocarina of Time? I did not play Super Mario 64, um, but I bought the Zelda Ocarina of Time 3DS limited edition. So I, I played the shit out of Ocarina of Time. I have not played Majora's Mask though. I need to get that eventually. Nah. <laughs> eh. I've played the shit out of Ocarina of Time. There you go. Hooray. Hooray, Ocarina of Time. Um, cool. Well, uh, then I think we can go ahead and move on. Topic number two, uh, your favorite Sweet. game, Uncharted 4, A Thief's End. Uncharted 4, yeah. All right. Um, Hit me. Why, is, why, is that, uh, why does that stand out as your favorite game? So to talk about Uncharted 4, like... Oh, I will say this is, this is probably the, the, the most recent game that we've had on in this segment now uh -huh. um i guess we had like fire emblem fates or whatever but that's not spoiler heavy sure really so i will say up front we're probably going to delve into spoiler stuff so oh um, yeah i will i will be sure in this in the full version of this episode in both the youtube version and the soundcloud version to include a time code for topic three if you don't want spoiler stuff um you can jump ahead to to that part um, but we will probably delve into Uncharted 4 spoiler territory. So you have been warned, faithful listener or viewer. All right. So warning out of the um, way. Go. Yeah. So the way I, the way I usually think of it is I have my three top favorite games of all time. Um, 
and it's Mass Effect 2, and then Journey, and then Uncharted 4. And it used to be Uncharted 2. So to talk about why I love Uncharted 4, you kind of need to talk about Uncharted 2 as well. Of course. Um, yeah, I, mean, I, fig- that, I figured, yeah, we would, we would kind of we will. En- encompass all of the Uncharted. Yeah. So Uncharted 2 was my first Uncharted game. Um, because I kind of started realizing how cool video games could be around that time period when PS3 first came out. It's just like I still had that mindset of, oh, it's a multiplayer game. I play Tony Hawk with my friends. Um, forgot to mention Tony Hawk. I played that a lot too. Um, so Uncharted 2 came out and I played it. And, you know, it opens with that scene of you hanging from the train. And I was amazed because, A, how beautiful it is, and B, just like this, how cinematic that is. Um, so I played through Uncharted 2, and I became really attached to these characters. And like I said, characters are what matter to me more than pretty much anything else in a story. It's just, I get attached to them. So so for a while, Uncharted 2... Uncharted 2 is not a perfect game. Um, it's very close. And then they start bringing the mythological stuff. Um, and it starts failing. Um but I mean, but from, from his, yeah, I, I absolutely get get that. It's it definitely lives up to its like Indiana Jones esque. Oh yeah, nature. like from a story point, I don't mind the mythological things. It's just that they were gameplay wise really annoying. I don't like them. Uh, um, okay. <laughs> and then you hit the very final like boss level, uh, which is just a mess. Um, so you know. Yeah, so, like, the tail end of Uncharted 2 is not perfect, but I adore that game. It, It's what taught me that video games could be narrative experiences. It honestly is what I consider the game that made me a gamer. It was that Switch where I was like, I love this stuff. Um, so Uncharted 3 came out, and Greg Miller gave it a 10 out of 10, and I played it, and I was like, this is good. Not enough Elena. <laughs> um, I like Uncharted 3 a lot. I do. Um, and I've heard the argument that if you switched two and three, you probably love three more than two, mm-hmm. which could be fair. But I love four more than two, so you know what? You could have done a better job on three. Um, <laughs> no, uh, so I played three and I love three. I uh, it's more Uncharted, but then four came out and it is everything I love about Uncharted because that's what that's what I think is important is my love for Uncharted was not born with 4 it's just that 4 perfected everything that I love so much about it and dealt with things I love so much about Uncharted that I, I like I have to call it my favorite Uncharted game because narratively it brings in all the characters I love or most of the characters I love um, and it focuses a lot more on the story um, you know Uncharted 2 has a lot of fight scenes where it's like okay waves of enemies waves of enemies you've shot them all Okay, let's move on. Yeah. Um, which works, and they do that in Uncharted 4 too, but there's also a lot of exploration stuff, um, scenes where you're just climbing for a while, um, or just driving a Jeep through the landscape, and you're talking to the characters as you go. Yeah. And that is... That is such a video game way of telling a story. Like, that. that is the kind of thing where you can't get that in a TV show or in a movie. You can't just have... A relaxing 30 minute drive with exploring a beautiful landscape with characters you're super attached to now um, you can't have the the drive when um, when Elena rescues Nate 
mm-hmm. and you're driving, you have that level that's like a 45 minute hour long level and they're dealing with their relationship problems and they're like, let's not talk about, okay, we're going to talk about it. Yeah. Um, and it, it just, it, it, as you're piecing together the puzzle of the game, they're also kind of piecing together the puzzle of like what's going wrong in their relationship and what they need to address. And God, it's just so good. They, they just weave the story in that so well. Um, so yeah, that's like why I love Uncharted. It's not like the most interesting answer, I guess. Like, it's got yeah, a good that's, story. That's, um, that's, I mean, that they they do Naughty Dog does story in gaming among the best, if not yeah. the best, easily. Like any anybody that is that leaves them out of that conversation is not doing it objectively. Um, it be just because of. Yeah. The way they, especially yeah, in in Uncharted Four, I'm I'm, I'm with you in in that regard that I like that Uncharted Four is the best of of the series for me. Um, I I go back chron like, in reverse order chronologically. So I did like three better than two, um, okay. and then better one. Did you ever play one? Did you ever go back and play one? I have the Nathan Drake collection, um, and I need to play one. It's just that I got the collection pretty recently, and I haven't really had time to play video games that much. Um, and what time I have had has been dedicated to small things that I could get done with really fast. Yeah. So the winter break, I have about four weeks off, and that's definitely on my list of things to try and plow through. But no, I've I really hate that about myself. Same thing with Mass Effect. I'm like Mass Effect Two is my favorite, one of my favorite games. I've not played Mass Effect One. <laughs> Uncharted is one of my favorite. Uncharted is one of my favorite series. I love Two and I love Four and Three is really great. I've not played One. That's, I mean. It just depends on like when those come into your life. Yeah. Certainly. Like I, I played Mass Effect Two first, and it is, um, like gameplay wise, Mass Effect Two is my favorite of the series. I think I like Mass Effect Three, having played all three, um, because of all the things that ties together, and just like that you're getting like one last hurrah with so many of those characters. Um, so from a narrative and character standpoint, it does give you like that closure on all of the on all of the characters that you've like loved yeah. over the course of those games um I th- but like uncharted one mass effect one both of them are very different games than what followed um that's in what terms i've heard of, like in terms of controls and in terms of like just they in both instances i think they learned a lot and people will fight it on mass effect more than than uncharted um whereas a lot of there are a lot of like mass effect one defenders uh, yeah. because of like the RPG mechanics that are still in that game. Uh, but I it from for my money both Mass Effect 2 and Uncharted 2 take what what made the first game special and just amp it up and go like uh, go all in with with that kind of stuff and are much better games as a result. Uncharted 1 in particular um is a lot more of of kind of what you touched on of like you get into a a monster closet and you have to basically fight yeah. wave after wave after wave and it always like it feels like everyone is basically just one wave too many, um, especially on harder difficulties, um, because you're you're fighting the controls of those games as much as like the the bosses. Like I don't know how many right. times I died just because I was trying to go into cover and ended up on the wrong side of the thing I was trying to go into Oof. cover on. Um, it's especially in one. Um, so it's 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 good for like the origin of Nate and Elena and kind of seeing. Um, early Nate and Sully stuff, yeah. Um, uh, but in uh, like I, I mean, uh, like obviously, it's 
the series stands as 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 your like has your favorite game, couple of your favorite games in it, without that origin story. So I think that that's also yeah. a testament to um, how well in Uncharted Two they kind of fill in the gaps there and, and kind of bring you up to speed on all. Oh, the definitely. Like Elena, I came out of Uncharted Two and I was like, so Elena's my favorite character. I love her. Um, I think that was part of my issue with Uncharted 3. Interestingly, also part of my issue with Mass Effect 3. So, in Uncharted 3, part of my issue was just like, okay, there's very little Elena and Drake, and I love Elena and Drake. So, And, and in Mass please. Effect, it was it was Miranda? You didn't get enough Miranda? I didn't get enough Miranda. <laughs> yeah. You don't, you don't understand, okay? I, because I made, because I was debating for a while between Tali and Miranda, because they're both into my character, and I decided on Miranda. I was like, I, you're like spunky and badass, and I like you. Um... And she's Yvonne Strahovski. Exactly. Love I just had a big old crush um, from, on, on Yvonne Strahovski from Chuck. Yeah. The, the fact that um, that summer or whenever I got to play with her in my party and then I had uh, Zach uh, Levy in my party on in Fallout New Vegas, I was like, yay, I'm basically just living in Chuck. Woohoo! Nice. Um, yeah, no, that's why I, I think that's why I learned about Mass Effect was because Yvonne Strahovski was in it um, in two. But I got very attached to her to the point where I would decide to create different character like I created other saves you know because I wanted to try different roles and I wanted to try different love interests um so I created a second save and I started playing through it and I was like I'm gonna romance Tali this time and then I started feeling guilty so then I romanced Miranda again because I was like you're the one now you were cheating on your on your fake yeah. video yeah, game yeah that was exactly what it was I, I couldn't do it I made like five different saves and the only time I was okay with not romancing Miranda was when I was playing a female character because I was like, well, I can't. Mm-hmm. So did you? So going back to Uncharted and and three having a lack of uh, Elena in there, um, it being some of what you yeah. uh, what what drew, pulled you away from that game. Yeah. Um, how did you feel about Elena being uh, her her involvement in Uncharted Four? I liked her involvement in Uncharted Four a lot um, because like she isn't in a ton of it. It's not like she's a predominant character, but they gave her a significant enough chunk at the end, and they gave us, like I was mentioning, that scene where it's just Nate and Elena. Mm-hmm. It's just them driving, just them dealing with their relationship, and I was like, this is everything to me. Yeah, the um, the, the fact that, like, uh, have you played The Last of Us? Yeah. So I describe that as, like, the draft moment. Like, that that sequence where you, you get in the Jeep, and you're driving around the valley to that bridge, and it's just a beautiful music cue. Mm-hmm. They, they are, like... They've just kind of confronted some of their stuff, but they're not ready to talk about it yet. So it's they're they're driving in silence mm-hmm. with tension built up, and you've got this beautiful music, this beautiful landscape um, that you that you are going through, and then you get to that bridge and it falls apart, and they almost die, and then they're like, okay, yeah, we need to talk about this. That like the the drive there um, is probably my most favorite moment in the game because of that. Oh yeah, mine of, like too. it it just takes you out of everything else, and it's like. Here's a beautiful, just like minute, two minutes of um, peace and calm with so much other stuff kind of like bubbling under the surface, and you know it's there. And they're doing that thing that's that like it drives me up the wall when it happens in movies and stuff because it is like if you guys just talked to each other, you would you would sort this stuff out if you were just honest with each other. Yeah, but instead it's it's fabricated, it's it's made up stuff, and the fact that they they turn it on a dime and say, like they call themselves out on it basically and say no, we like we need to deal with this. Um, uh, that like 
that cemented it as like yes this is this is far and above my favorite of the mm-hmm. uncharted's uh, was that and sequence. it's i think my issue was that they like they, they gave us nate and elena drama and addressed it yeah um like directly and i think that was part of my issue with uncharted 3 it wasn't so much that they didn't have elena um that much although like i, w- I would have liked more elena it's that they gave us like a nate elena drama story but then never really gave us them interacting they're just like they're having issues oh it's resolved at the end i'm like i get that you're trying to incorporate their relationship but if you're going to do that give me elena yeah it was in 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 three um that's absolutely like one of my biggest criticisms of three is that they give you like enough to know that 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 they they've had a falling out um and and all the stuff with the rings and stuff um Mm -hmm. and it ends up being that instance that you get a lot in movies or tv where there's an illusion made to a more interesting story than what we're actually seeing on on yeah. like in the game for the sake of like where they needed the the narrative to go i was much more interested in in their characters and their relationship and what 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 tore them apart outside of it just being vagaries of like nathan just couldn't quit um uh his treasure hunting ways um and and so i think uncharted 4 was them recognizing that and saying okay we're gonna like do that. We're gonna tell that story that yeah <laughs> that we alluded to in the last one, and have them kind of like have Nate lie to her. Um, and you, if you if you are as invested in these characters as like I was, you're yelling at Nate and saying, "Don't yeah, why are you lying? Just tell her where you are." Um, uh, so yeah, the 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 dynamic there absolutely is is uh, is spot on. Um, one of my favorite things in Uncharted 4, uh, aside from that, is, and you kind of touched on it a little bit, in, in kind of those elements, you've got the, kind of the the storytelling, not by cutscene, but by transitioning, getting through the world. I love the storytelling mm-hmm. that is, like, environmental in nature in, in that game. Like, I love, I absolutely adore the side story that is kind of being told if you are picking up, like, the collectibles and the letters and stuff. Oh, yeah. With, with like, the previous expeditions to try and follow this path to Libertalia or all of the stuff that happens at Libertalia. I was going to say Libertalia. You're just seeing like oh. you're seeing how everything fell apart and you're seeing like the beginning like you get there and it does look like this crazy utopia and how did they make this work and then you start seeing the the kind of everything falling apart um the... both both visually in like the level design and in kind of the narrative little bits and pieces that you get in the world. It was like that that is almost as compelling a story as the one with these characters that I'm so invested in. Um, and I was amazed by, oh, yeah. by how well that was done. The, um, the, I was so scared, first of all, going into Libertalia because I've been trained by Uncharted where I was like, so what kind of like evil plague turned them into zombies? <laughs> yeah. Um, do, when do we start getting ghost pirates? Yeah. Um, but no, walking, walking to that, I forgot what it was specifically. I think like the main room where they have all the paintings, of yeah. the different pirates mm-hmm. and they're on the floor and they're like drawn over and I'm just like holy shit yeah. this is such brilliant visual storytelling and I still can't really get over that yeah it was uh, like one of my favorite subtle things in The Last of Us and not I guess not subtle um, but it could you could easily like overlook it if you're just kind of playing through the campaign is the whole ish side story and I felt like Uncharted basically took and gave me four-ish stories um, 
which was uh, like just uh, they didn't have to it but they did and I'm so grateful for it and and how yeah like that like in each of those stories that you're seeing you're seeing kind of um, you know the people go descend into madness around this and at the same time you're seeing Nate and Sam do the exact same thing and and there's entirely a situation where they don't pull out they don't pull up and they and they go mad and and like one of them dies and the fact that they recognize it um and and save themselves effectively um <coughs> is uh like it's it's everything i wanted that to be i wouldn't i wouldn't have been satisfied if it had mirrored if if our characters had mirrored every failed expedition before it that closely to a T and that, and somebody dies. Yeah. Um, uh, like I know people talked about like, Oh, who's going to die in this? You know, is Nate going to die? Is Elena going to die? Is Sully going to die? Um, and I was like, I don't like, I don't, that's not uncharted. They, they played with that a little bit, but the biggest death in uncharted, that's not a villain is Jeff, the cameraman. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's never, it was never something I anticipated kind of going through. I was like, it'll be a it'll be a darker story and yeah there might be like some crazy like brother on brother betrayal here but i i was never expecting like one of the one of your core characters to to bite the dust um and like in in service of like a darker story a darker tone and uncharted is so inherently optimistic i feel like as a franchise and i get why people were thinking oh it's the final uncharted game it's the first one after last of us and the last of us came out and that was super dark um so, you know, they're more willing to tell dark stories. It's like, I mean, yes, they are. We know that they're willing to tell dark stories, but that doesn't mean that every story has to be darkened. That's not what Uncharted is. Uncharted is fluff and fun, and it's it's very human drama in this very fantastical experience. So you're, you're going to get, like, Nate and his brother drama, Nate and Sully drama, Nate and Elena drama, and that could go bad, but... I don't think it would have really fit for someone to die. Yeah. How did you um, How did you feel about Sam going into it? Um, this long lost brother who's appearing out of nowhere. Um, did you have kind of reservations? And like I, I did. Um, oh I yeah. Was definitely concerned about like. Eh, I mean, this feels like a shoehorned plot element to to get us somewhere. This this mysterious brother that we've never heard about. Like, why have we never heard about him and stuff? So I was definitely. Um, uh, wary of it going in and surprised by how they won me over on it. So how did you kind of feel? Um, I was definitely wary. My first thought was was like, did Nate have a brother? Did I just forget him mentioning a brother? Because um, yeah. I, I just assumed like they must have mentioned it at some point. Like, oh yeah, I lost my brother when I was like... Um, but yeah, no, when I, when I realized that they definitely were just adding this entire storyline into Nate's history that I didn't know about, um, I was definitely concerned. I... I guess beyond being concerned, I was about like them shoehorning a storyline in. I was just concerned about them shoehorning a new character with all this history with Nate in, because this is like the final Uncharted, and a forgotten brother storyline is a very very strong storyline that requires a lot of attention. Um, yeah. And if I don't like Sam, or if I don't like the dynamic they give it, or if they sacrifice too many of the other characters for the sake of focusing on Sam, uh, that would be a problem. I also kind of assumed Sam would go bad um, because Uncharted. Um, yeah. But 
no, I, I really like what they did with Sam. Uh, I don't... I'm not sure I'd say I love him. Like, I'm not attached to him the way I'm attached to Elena and Chloe and Sully and Nate. But I really enjoyed his character. I really enjoyed the dynamic he created, not just for Nate, but for everyone else. I really like the fact that he justified Nate going back into it. Because I like that they gave us, like you were saying, I like that they gave us that more interesting storyline of, like, Nate's can't really give this up, but Elena doesn't want them to keep doing this. Um, but if they just had Nate do it for the sake of doing it, that would have not worked. Having Nate do it because he has a justification, even if that's not the entire reason he's doing it, gave it a lot of nuance that I like. And Sam had a lot of nuance that I liked. Um, because never did I think he was making a decision I couldn't understand. He made bad decisions. Um, he made decisions I probably would not have made. But I can still sit there and go, like, okay, if you've built your entire life around your brother and, like, and you two having this ultimate score and you just, you disappeared and you want to be able to support him somehow, the idea that he became so obsessed with it is interesting and the idea that he was also able to resist at the very end, I liked a lot. Yeah. So it worked for me. Yeah, I was, I, I yeah, I was just kind of, uh, like, the... The idea of, of putting them together and uh, and kind of the the early prologue segments of them in the in the jail where he he effectively dies in in Nate's arms yeah totally justifies why Nate wouldn't want to talk about that um, or why oh, it does. why especially in especially in our 30 40 hours with the character that we've had why he never would have come up mm-hmm. it's still a little less less plausible that like him and Elena would ever have been talking about family something and, and Nate saying, yeah, I had, I had a brother, but something happened. I don't really want to get into it, but like it does. I, I don't buy that. Like he, he never would have bought him, bought her, bought Sam up, um, in their relationship, but in our relationship as the player and the the character, I, it makes sense. Um, so it, it won me over enough to, to just go with it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I feel like Naughty Dog got, I guess, not lucky, but they were fortunate in the way they designed Nate as a character kind of made me believe that he wouldn't talk about it more than other characters might. He like He's that kind of personality where I'm like, okay, I can see how if this really dark thing happened to you in your past, you just decide to block it out because that's totally the kind of thing you would do. Yeah. He cracks yeah. jokes about everything else, but this yeah. thing that really like hit him hard, he might yeah. just yeah, shut out. Like to to not tell Lena ever is definitely weird, but I also watched Doctor Who. My threshold for um, my threshold for suspension of disbelief is high. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, cool. I'm trying to think if there are any other kind of big uh, touchstone thoughts on Uncharted Four. I want to delve into. I mean, like the the beauty of that game. Oh the, God. Like Madagascar, like you were kind of talking about earlier. Like when you're just driving around with your with your people in the jeep for half an hour hour um and getting kind of the story told to that way absolutely um stunning visuals it was it's it's one of the few games that has made me like actually want to go in and play in the photo mode um oh yeah me too so yeah um what did you think i mean so this one wasn't built so much on set pieces like the uh, like the last two like the train sequence or like mm-hmm. the uh, the ocean liner or the plane in 3 what did you like how did you 
were you fine with that? Did you have like was was Uncharted set pieces? Doesn't sound like it. It sounds like we kind of focused on characters. Yeah, it just gives you characters in spades. Um, but that was certainly an element that I thought about as I was playing. I was like, oh, I have like when's like the really crazy thing I'm gonna do gonna happen? Yeah. When am I gonna when am I gonna I'm... basically be living out Poseidon adventure in this game? Oh, it it doesn't so much. Yeah, I feel like there was the. Um the clock tower collapsing, which I yeah. felt like was set PC. Um, the thing I think about Uncharted was no set piece will ever compare to the train sequence. It will never happen. So I think part of the reason actually that Uncharted 3 just didn't hit me as hard was because they tried to. They had the airplane sequence and they had the the boat sequence, um, which were amazing set pieces, but I, I spent my entire time watching them being like, okay, but you're not hitting me the same way the train sequence did. Mm-hmm. You, it, it just is not the same. And I think Uncharted 4 was kind of smart in scaling it back and being like, okay, we're going to have some like big moments happen. We're going to have things on par of like the building collapsing in Uncharted 2. We have to jump out. But the super grand, the thing that we want to stick into your head, isn't going to be crazy fast-paced destruction. It's going to be... Like, it's going to be more in the vein of the draft sequence, like you were saying. It's going to be driving with Elena. It's going to be the prologue. It's going to be that kind of stuff, the characters. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, I mean... Epilogue. I've, I said prologue. Uh, epilogue? Oh, I mean, well, you've got both. You have the prologue yeah. that's that's uh, Nate and uh, and Sam kind yeah, of... Yeah, I meant epilogue. ...riding up on the boat up to the, uh, to the island. But yeah, the, the epilogue. epilogue, absolutely. Um, how yeah on the on the topic of the epilogue, um, was it? Did it like? How did the epilogue hit you? Hard. Um, it. I do not cry. In media doesn't make me cry, almost ever. Um, I think it's happened maybe twice in my life, but it can get me close, and that got me about as close as I probably could because the I first of all seeing them happy and like you know they have a kid and they're living well and they've made something successful that fits who they want to be without being criminals and at risk all the time is amazing um and there's also just this kind of joy of there's this whole world this whole life of theirs that became kind of like sealed up in a box or in a closet i guess um and watching someone else discover these things is like watching someone discover Uncharted. It's like they're discovering this world that I've spent so much time in and you're watching it happen and she's attached to them obviously because it's her parents so I'm just like, I love this. I love everything about this. I'm such a sucker for this kind of shit. Yeah. I, my first playthrough, um, I, I assumed that I was looking at, or I was, I was talking, or I was playing as, as their daughter, um, but I did a horrible job at like looking at the environmental storytelling in it so i missed mm. like i missed like the the letter from sully about the about sully and sam um playing checkers or something in uh or or coming back and playing checkers or chess or whatever yeah um and uh and and i missed like i just missed a couple key oh like the there's the photo album um that you can you can look at the photo album back in early in the game in their in their house um, and then there's the photo album here where, that has a few more um, pictures of of the girl growing up, and I completely missed that. And so 
I de- it wasn't until like you go into that that closet that that anything was like secured as yes this is who you're playing as as Nate and Elena's daughter yeah um and so it was uh I like I appreciated it so much more my second time around when I took the time to go in and find those little things and see kind of the fill in the a little bit of the last 20 years or last however many years it had it had been for them um uh because yeah it was it was it was absolutely like yes this is the happy ending that that i wanted for these characters to have yeah um and i'm getting to i'm getting to see it i'm getting to see kind of bits and pieces of how they got to this point um so yeah like because i i i definitely because you you've got kind of the two buildings there and i was like oh maybe it's like maybe she's like the neighbor um at like going from the first place into the second place and it because it just didn't dawn on me or i didn't explore enough to realize that like there wasn't a bedroom in the second building or something so right I, like it was i was i was just a little more confused than i think i would have been if i had thoroughly looked through it the first time around but then when it was when i had a much clearer picture of everything i was like yes this is I think she finds their wedding photos, right? Yeah, she, she um, can. Like you yeah. can find the wedding photos, and she comments on it. Yeah, and that's that's I didn't do that the first yeah. the first yeah, time yeah. through. That's what that's what I was saying. Yeah, May, um, yeah. So yeah, the uh, that the epilogue absolutely um, uh, a great strong strong moment in there. I've so I've I've been fortunate, and I'll link it into the uh, into the, the the description as well. Uh, I talked with um, Alex O'Neill from Irrational Passions and Barrett Courtney. Of IGN and, and yes. BZ, uh, uh, BZG um, and a couple others, uh, we talked at length for like three hours and did like an Uncharted Four spoiler cast Ooh. months ago, back back when it was much fresher in in uh, in my mind. Um, so that's that's where we can go for like my full thoughts. But yeah, looking back um, six months out or whatever, eight months out, however long it's been, it's absolutely still like. I'm glad all of these things just kind of come flooding back. All these memories yeah. of the game um, are still there. Are like, it's not a game I've thought about like every day since or something like that. But it's it's still there in my head. And like when when we talk about Uncharted, absolutely. Like I, I look at it, and it's absolutely in like Game of the Year um, contention and, and all that stuff. So um, yeah, I, I thank you for for bringing it up and, and adding it to the uh, the Trevor Trove. Um, games yeah list list of favorite games i'd um, i'd be personally offended if it wasn't on that list at some point yeah like, oh, it, it has like, to get on there oh absolutely like and i, and I knew it would I, it's uh, oh yeah part of me like it's it's been interesting kind of going through these and every time we talk about like a game that's in that's a part of a bigger franchise we end up getting to talk about like all of the other games in the franchise right. so i'm sure at some point somebody will come on and say Uncharted 2 is my favorite game and we'll kind of get to talk about that in comparison to 3 and 4 and and 1 and maybe even Golden Abyss um uh so yeah it's it's like we get I I appreciate this this segment especially in in talking about franchises because we get to talk about a little bit more than the game um I mean we even had like a detour into Mass Effect awesome um yeah so yeah thank you for Hitting, uh, hitting all my three there you go there we go awesome um so thank you for for bringing that up and uh and yeah i how uh since uh, since we were both at psx what are your thoughts kind of looking to the future with uh the uncharted the lost legacy um spinoff 
I feel like it's yeah. the, the DLC, the the Uncharted Four DLC that they've they they had promised the story DLC um, with Chloe and Nadine that we got to see at uh, at PSX. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it reminds me a lot of um, the Last of Us Left Behind DLC, yeah. which I think is a really cool way of doing things. Um, it's funny because if you watch uh, Ali's video, Ali Mushka, that little fly, she did PSX vlogs, which obviously you know, but audience. Um, I will link there. Them in the she, description yeah, as well. she she has a video where she's talking to people about The Last of Us, and I just come in and I'm like, but Uncharted. But can we talk about Uncharted? Because it's more Uncharted. Um, <laughs> so no, I'm I'm really excited. I don't I don't care that much about Nadine. If we're being honest, um, she mm-hmm. was fine as a villain in Uncharted Four, but she wasn't someone I came away from like I want more of her story. But I love Chloe and. If we're going to, like, I, I'm open to them making me like Nadine more, you know, because with The Last of Us Left Behind, they gave us Ellie and a character we'd never met, and we had to get attached to her, so you can totally take a character I have met and just I'm not that attached to yet and make me care about her more. I'm totally mm-hmm. open to that. It's just not the person off the top of my head where I'd be like, yep, that's the DLC I want. Yeah. Um, on on uh, on Nadine and, uh, oh, crap, now I'm going to feel bad. Rafe was the villain, right? Yes. Rafe was the other guy. Um, what did you think of the villains in this? We talked a little bit earlier on about Lazarvich kind of being like a a, a shit ending to uh, yeah. to Uncharted Two. How did you feel, kind of the the villains of this compared to uh, the uh, uh, to others in the series? I I think my favorite villain is Uncharted Three. Um, I don't remember her name right now, but she was Marlo. great. Marlo. There we go. Um, I like. I think Marlo is my favorite. Um, but I definitely liked Rafe a lot. I think he had that, he had a really good balance of like crazy, but a believable crazy, um, where I can totally see someone, especially someone with a lot of money who's just bored going down this path. Um, I liked the balance of him and Nadine, especially when she's just like, um, fuck you. We're out. I have money. This is what we came for. I'm not going to die. Get over yourself. Um, no, I liked Rafe. I think if they ever did Uncharted movies and wanted to like pull in a certain villain and they didn't do Marlowe or they did two Uncharted movies, like we're going to use villains from the video games, Rafe would be my second choice for a villain. Yeah, what uh, I think Rafe probably ends up at the top of my list okay. because because of his obsession, the, like the, the craziness there, because and it, and it was like a realization that... Like, throughout the entire game, I'm kind of thinking, okay, yeah, this guy's just a little off. And then it's not until that final sequence, that final, like, fight, the the sword fight stuff, which um, the final battle of, of uh, Uncharted has always been a, a problem. It wasn't just Lazarevich. Yeah. It's, it's a problem in, in the first one. It's a problem because Marlowe's not the last thing you fight. In, it's Talbot in the, la- in the, in the third one. Which um, I think worked. It, it works um, a little bit, but he, like... I, the stakes weren't as high with him, especially when it just falls down to a fist fight. True um, was my was my gripe with him. Um, whereas you're getting uh, so so there wasn't a history between like any of the other characters and Nate. Like there is a history between Rafe and Nate. Yeah. And what I love about Rafe is that like that's where you see why he's so obsessed and why he hates Nate so much because he has been pursuing this one thing for 15 years however long it's been since um since sam almost or since they thought sam died 
And in that time, Nate has gone and found El Dorado, and he's found Shambhala, and he's found whatever he found in the third one. The um, thing. The thing. <laughs> the the genie's lamp or whatever. Um, and so, so Rafe has, like, seen from afar this guy that he dismissed and wrote off years ago pass him. He's very much, he, he is the burr to, to yeah. Nate's Alexander Hamilton. Um, uh, uh, oh God, I love that reference so much. Right? It was, it's like, God, it's, that was good. It was, it was just perfect to hit you with. Um, like he, he's seeing the greatness um, that, that has awaited Nate all this time and, and it has consumed him. Yeah. Um, and so it, it was a, it's, it's a personal fight. I still hate the mechanics of it because it's introducing a new thing that you've never done the rest of the game, but sure, whatever. This one at least had, had personal stakes, which is why I, it stands above and beyond yeah. the other fights for me in that, in that regard. And I feel um, like they put less emphasis on it being a challenge, which I liked. Like, mm-hmm. you could pretty easily get to that sword fight, at least on normal mode, without yeah, yeah. Um, much issue. And... I feel like that worked because like with Lozar it's like it's a boss fight you have to have it be really hard I'm like but this sucks yeah um with with the sword fight yeah it's a different mechanic and I don't love that it's a different mechanic but it does allow you to have that very personal battle um and it really does play up the tension of these two characters scrapping for their life with like if it was just shooting still, that wouldn't work well. That's why Lavazarovich didn't work well. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I, I get why they did that. And I feel like even though it did change the mechanics, it worked really well for the n- emotional narrative that they were trying to tell. Yeah. Oh, that's... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's because, as we've kind of touched on, it's it's so much... There's so much more weight in the narrative than yeah. the characters um, than there is, like, the gameplay... Because the the gameplay of Uncharted Four still has all the same problems I have oh, yeah. had with the gameplay of all the other Uncharted's. Um, it's still like things are still clunky. The shooting isn't doesn't feel as great as as you'll see in other games. Like narrative is where they go above and beyond everybody else. Um, so the fact that like it it comes down to narrative stakes again um, at the end there um, absolutely is it, like sells it and and does forgive the 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 sword play and just okay yeah. I, I have to hit square or circle and part of it also part of the reason i always say that i that i hated it is because the circle button on my uh, on my controller tends to stick and so Oof. like push it and then it would like um, defend to the wrong side and he'd slash me and i'd be like god damn it <laughs> um so you know that's on me whatever yeah or it's on uh, your controller yeah, it's it's well I mean like I could get a new controller. That's True. that's the part that's on me or I could use one of my other controllers that I just don't. Um <coughs> So, yeah, that's um that's uh, something I, I would have been remiss to to kind of leave off the tables that I I do love that. And and the, I guess the other big thing that we should touch on um what did you think of the the flashback sequences of young Nate and Sam? Mm. Um Honestly, I don't I still don't really know how I feel about the how I feel about those because I I really loved the scene when they go back to that mansion um, and they're crawling through that. That was great. The other scenes, I wasn't attached enough to Sam or to that dynamic to really care. I kind of just wanted to get to the present day with the characters I care about. Um, 
I think if I went back and played it, though, I think I'd care more. Now that I'm disattached to Sam, it will definitely have a much more of an emotional weight, and it definitely has important value for the story. It was just in the moment I, I didn't care. Yeah, no, I, to- I mean, I totally understand that. And I, I, I yeah, I, I defend the early segment as, like, you couldn't have the, you couldn't have the oh. mansion segment without it. Yeah. Um, and, and I think the biggest, the biggest problem I think you run into in that is that it ends up being an overly long tutorial sequence. Yeah. Like, it's, it's probably twice as long as it needs to be, like, the, the town that, like, that, that Nate is, is, like, bouncing around to to find Sam, mm-hmm. um, uh, is... It doesn't need to be as big as it is, but it's introducing you to like all of the new things in in Uncharted Four, um, which narratively or or, or gameplay wise, not not narratively, gameplay wise, you could have scrapped that because you're going to get all of those um, in um, in the 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 Scottish Highlands, like at the the cathedral thing. Anyway, right. you're going to get all of those um, slot, butt sliding and and using the rope and stuff. But narratively, it's it's very much setting up um, uh, something that gets paid off year, uh, hours down the line in that game. Yeah, um, with with like the, the the mansion where turns out you're in like where where their uh, their their mom like their mom was the assistant to this lady and and that's another like her story is is again it, it hits you at right the, mo- the the exact right moment to see oh if because you're playing that basically when Nate is unconscious after having been d- betrayed by Sam. And uh, and so you're playing that, and if Nate continues going down that path, he's going to be alone like that old lady is. And so yeah. it hits home that when you wake up and you're talking to Elena and telling her the story because she just saved your ass, that like you need to get your shit together or you're going to end up alone in a sad, depressing, boxed-up mansion. Um filled with your like adventures um yeah that was uh, just again like i love the 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 subtle storytelling of of the game like now oh, now that's that's just bringing like a flood of emotions back on on like on her whole story that you that you get kind of in that mansion told throughout that story fucked me yeah like right i was i was learning about her and she had like her family issues and then she's this old lady and then she dies and i'm like oh god yeah it's like you, like the first thing you can find in the attic is basically like what would be her husband saying, "Hey, I've got this thing that I think you'd be interested in." So it's their first correspondence, their first meeting, and then you, as you go through the house, like you see the, um, uh, kind of you see their their romance blossom, and they go on adventures together, and then mm-hmm. she gets more obsessed with it, and he, um, uh, and uh, they, he isn't, and so like the family falls apart. It didn't hit me until. Until I think I was actually talking to um, uh, to Alex and, and them on the uh, on the stream, but like going into like the the kids' room in there, like it's left basically intact from when the kid would have moved out and, and, and gone with to live with the dad, and so it's like that's heartbreaking that yeah that that she has has not like that that she has been closed off that long. Um, uh, so yeah, it's it uh, just her her whole story is just another one where it's like oh my god and the feels. <laughs> I think the effectiveness of that really goes to show how much Uncharted is about storytelling and about um and not about being like that like it's a triple A game it's this big you know action adventure video game 
but it really proves that you can have an action adventure game that isn't always about action or um or like the traditional idea of adventure even though this is an adventure in and of itself um because all i can picture when i was playing that was like someone coming out going so gone home really proves that indie games can do something triple a games can't and then naughty dogs just over here like hold my beer Exactly. I was just thinking it's it yeah. that sequence is basically like gone home. <laughs> it's gone home. Yeah. It's a different version. It's like a different story, but the the concept is gone home. It's it's storytelling by finding letters in a house. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um great. Uh, I think I think now we've kind of touched on all of the uh, the the key points, but I'm sure people will um think we've left out something, but you know, we've, we've talked about it for yeah. about forty-five minutes. I think I think that's a good enough chunk of time to to give to uh, to Uncharted Four in this um, as as we approach kind of Game of the Year conversations anyway, uh, yeah. where I'm sure we'll continue to come up and and be be discussed ad nauseum. If um, if people think I forgot something important in Uncharted Four, let me tell you something. You're probably right. My memory is shit. I'm sorry. <laughs> Leave it. Let us know in the comments below what we forgot to, to mention in Uncharted 4. Um, I'm How sure am I crap? Tell me the I'm, ways. I'm sure there is plenty. Um, great. All right. Well, then, moving on to topic three, the getting to know you topic. Oh, boy. Uh, let's talk about television. Okay. Um, it's such a broad topic, isn't it? It is, which is fun. Yeah. It's, it, it allows me the, the opportunity to, like, when I bring somebody else back on the show and, like, a few months or something and they're like i want to talk about tv i'm like okay let's talk about tv again i don't care sure um do you want to ask me something or is there just like why why does television so starting it off you mentioned earlier that television is the thing you care about yeah the most the medium you care about the most why what what does what makes television um stand out characters um and I mean, this is why video games are so significant to me, too, because you spend so much time with the characters, or you, you can, depending on the length of a game. But when I when I think about the shows that matter to me most, when I just think about the things I'm the most attached to, it's something that's just consistently in my life. So even with TV, I will care more about The Flash than Daredevil, by far, because Daredevil comes out, you know once a year at most and I watch it all within a weekend and it's amazing and it's fantastic storytelling and I can get to that part of why I love TV too um but as someone who loves people who's like the basis of who I am is I want to spend time with people I want to be around people that's why I like the most in stories is not some grand spectacle not you know superheroes versus supervillains or even as much as I enjoy philosophical questions like I love ex machina i love movies that challenge your brain when it comes down to it it's being able to relate to characters and relate to what they go through and stick with them throughout a long period of time feel like they're part of my life and tv does that in a way that nothing else really does mm-hmm. yeah um, no, it's 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 absolutely fair the the prolonged yeah. exposure you're growing up with these characters exactly yeah um as opposed to yeah the netflix model or uh, a movie, obviously, or even a game where the you know you might get twelve hours with these characters in the Netflix model or in the game, mm-hmm. but um, how does that compare to um, you know five seasons? Yeah, and I mean it, the Netflix model still holds weight for the same reason that Harry Potter holds weight and um, the MCU holds weight because you know I do keep getting them. The characters exist 
and grow and evolve in a way that they wouldn't if it was confined to one movie or a couple movies. Um, but it, it's definitely the reason TV holds it, is the biggest thing for me is because of that. Also because as a screenwriting major, I want to write for TV. That's that's the field I want to go into. As a collaborative medium, it's the best for my industry personally. Um, it's also where the screenwriter has the most control. So that's really mm-hmm. cool. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, you you mentioned in in one of the last topics the the you guys sitting around uh, a coffee shop and kind yeah. of spitballing ideas, and I'm like, yep, that's that's the writer's room. So mm-hmm. like that's that sounds like you're you're pretty much in the um, in the ballpark already for kind of making that happen. Like, yeah. there are people um, there are people that I ha- that I've been friends with over the years where I'm like, they'll they'll put something out there, and I'll come in and like. Um, like like they'll put out a, pun- uh, uh, a setup and I'll provide the punchline and stuff and I'm like if I were ever in a TV like writer's room I would want that person and I won't would want that person because like we just feed off of each other really well yeah um, uh, so I, I absolutely get like that kind of um, uh, writing partnership kind of relationship yeah I um that's really what a lot of writer rooms how a lot of writer rooms are designed and that's part of people always say that Hollywood's who you know and it is because when you're doing these kind of creative things, it matters less that you are the best and it matters more that you are the right fit for the group you're going into. So like um, I was reading Mindy Kaling's autobiography um, and she was talking about when she got her job writing for The Office, the reason she got that job was because she went into interview with the head showrunner of The Office and he's like, they talked for a while and they just joked and had a good time and that's why he decide to hire her because he knew she was someone that he could work with him yeah she also apparently yelled at him a lot so oh well, there you go one of my friends has the has basically the 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 working theory where she's uh um you know i'll, I'll say oh I'm, like i'm really excited you know I, like i want to work with these people and and she'll say do they i mean do they want to have a drink with you you know and i'm like i mean yeah we like we were we were hanging out at a bar visiting and stuff and she's like then they want to hire you like if they want to spend time with you uh, like in their off time, then they would want to spend time with you in their, you know, in 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 that in in especially like in art kind of yeah. fields in entertainment stuff. Then they would want to spend time with you. So that's another reason why I'm like, yay, maybe IGN, <laughs> hooray. <laughs> it's um, yeah. Um, so uh, let's talk about like favorite shows then. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm um, sure there are plenty. Yeah. Um. There. There's so goddamn many. Um. I did a thing once where I found a website where you can put in every show you've ever watched and how many seasons of the show you watched, and then it tells you how much of your life you spent watching TV, and it was and that's terrifying. Not, and that's not counting all the times you rewatch stuff? No, it like, is I've, not. I've watched all of Futurama, I've watched all of Futurama with the commentaries, and then I've done that like two yeah. or three times. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was looking at some I've, of them, I've, and I was... Sorry. Um, I was just... Yeah, I've, I've definitely put yeah. in plenty of time. <laughs> yeah. I was looking at the number, and I was like, okay... But you're only counting Psych once. And I've watched that show six times. Um, <laughs> because Psych is amazing. Um, Psych is a, is a good one. Were you God. a Monk fan as well? I was a Monk fan. I was I was a Monk fan when I was very young. And kind of just watched... Like, I had my kids shows that I was very attached to. And then there was the adult shows that my dad watched. And I was just kind of there for. So I was... I wasn't like a hardcore Monk fan. I was a... It's around and it's a good show. I enjoy it fan. Psych came along, though, just as I was starting to pay attention to TV seriously. Same with Chuck. Um, 
No, yeah, so Chuck, Chuck's another one of my favorites that uh, <sighs> that we we had touched on earlier. So it's good, good. <laughs> and I like I love that show because it was like I I was watching it at a time where I was like I was consuming the show and then I also was like consuming reviews and recaps and like people talking about the show it's and it's one of the first ones where I was like actively seeking that kind of like other people's opinions to like validate the things I liked kind of um critique criticism wise and so I was very aware of like all of the behind the scenes stuff going on with that show and how it was kind of like always a bubble show yeah and so they had to write like over the series they wrote like four or five different potential season finales series yeah. finales um, and, and and so you and you can see those like going yeah. back and watching it's like oh yeah they didn't know they were coming back from this and even like mid-season finales often would be written like a season finale because they did not know if they were going to get picked up for a full season so yeah. like season three he shoots um shaw and he falls to his death and shaw was supposed to be dead it was supposed to be like shaw's dead season's over chuck's off with sarah now but then they got picked up for more, so suddenly you had the whole Shaw's not actually dead, now he's the intersect storyline, which was awesome. I loved that. Um, yeah. They did a really good job, but it's... Yeah, they did, they did a great job, in particular, of, like, writing themselves into potential endings and then finding a way to write themselves out yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, God, I, I miss Chuck. Yeah. If they could bring back Chuck, man. Um, <laughs> what, did you, what are your thoughts on the final season? Not I good ones. Not not good. Not good here. ones. Um, I I wish it were better, but it was still more Chuck. So that's that's where I end up falling on it. And, I think. And you, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. No, uh, I'm sorry. Um, I think any goodwill I would have towards Chuck, season five, was destroyed by the ending of Chuck season five. Um, being the, that the Sarah forgot Sarah everything, everything, and I'm just like, I was okay with it when it happened because I assumed that she would realize she was being tricked and, like, the memories would start to come back over time. Or, like, at least they'd hint at it. Like, they'd be on the beach at the very end and he'd be like, it's okay, I'm with you. And she'd have, like, a flash of their first time on the beach. It's like, okay, the memories are coming back. She'll be Sarah eventually. It'll just take some time. But no. It's just like, hey, they don't give you that. They give you that. I mean, they give you that with, like, the intersect. uh, Because they, they, it's, like... It calls back to the pilot, um, and and she knows like this is how you solve the this is how you save the bomb, like so she the memories are there, and I like I feel like there is a moment in there where it may it's not been be a like while. a it may not be like a direct flashback, but I, like I, I saw it in in okay. uh, in Sarah's eyes that like she's like I, that's that's how I anticipate or or what what happens after that is that they do like it does come back to her, and so and there are specific things brought in yeah i i absolutely like i totally understand that frustration and i wish they had gone a different route than like relying on amnesia and yeah and that's how you, so you because that's why like they they try and save it at the end there where it is like okay yeah she doesn't remember anything but like chuck is going to stick with her in the hopes that she does and you get in the bomb thing and you get a couple other like mentions like she says things that by the like the admission of the show she doesn't remember she doesn't know right. but they're still there they're still buried in there so oh. yeah I want to rewatch that episode yeah um, uh, I, I mean I hope I hope I'm not making this up but I'm pretty sure that's there uh, also it's been a while Chuck, sorry yeah <laughs> um, I had that thought I'm like so this is how it ends guys yeah 
It's. I mean, the the journey is is certainly like it really that is. is. That is a show about the journey of, of those mm-hmm. characters. Like even even if you have to sit through like subway ads in in uh, in you know season five t- because <laughs> they basically help pay but, the bill for the season. But the subway ads are so they're like a, such a part of the show. Yeah, there's oh, the yeah. kind of thing where I'm like, you're. It's part of your charm. It's complete product placement, but it's charming product placement. Yeah, it's it's product placement knowing it's it's product placement for a show that was as vocal and supportive and in the know uh to know what like what subway meant to that show that like when they're making subway references and jokes the audience is in on it Mm -hmm. the audience gets that yeah i remember seeing all of the chuck ads in my soap in my local subway um I totally understand that this is, the, and they did this. Like Subway did the same thing with Community. They, yeah, they just they go in and save all the shows I love. <laughs> I know, even if it is a little bit past Community's prime when it happened. Yeah, six seasons in a movie. Come on, we're movie. so close. One move, just, just, just give it to us. Give us, give us the the harrowing in- tale of uh, of Abed finding Troy. God, I would watch that. Right, I would watch the hell out of that. Troy and LeVar Burton got shipwrecked, and it's up to Abed to save them. What if they cross Rick and Morty and Community, so they're jumping through dimensions, and they can have Abed find Troy, but it's not actually Troy, it's Trouch Gambino, and he's like, what the hell is this? <laughs> I love it. Go go get get in the Rick and Morty writer's room yeah. for season five, you know, giving, I'm assuming that gives you a couple, time, a couple years yeah. to get to get there out of make college that, yeah make make that pitch it's that we're gonna sh- we're gonna make a rick and morty movie that is actually a community movie because rick go. and morty has more backing at, at this point it does at this point it does yes um so what are some other uh what are some other standouts uh like i mean we've touched on uh, a lot on the comedy side of things what uh what about drama uh, yeah, drama is probably like the biggest thing for me, so that's one to get into. Um, yeah. I love Game of it's Thrones. It's almost obviously. like we've had conversations about this before, and, right? Uh, and I, I gave you a leading question. Yeah, um, I love Game of Thrones. Obviously, um, not obviously, but like Game of Thrones. Um, okay, did you do, do you see what I'm talking about with Allie's dog having? Yes, like, like yeah. I would not have thought of it, and the eyes are definitely a lot bluer in a White Walker. Than in the dog, but I see it. Yeah, that's okay. in my head now. It's not getting out of my head now. <laughs> for, for, for those just yeah. like listening or tuning in, Allie just posted. Uh, our friend Allie Mushka, former guest of the show, um, posted that she's going to get a new puppy, and the puppy has very blue eyes. And so I made a reference on Twitter about it looking like a White Walker and don't die, Allie. <laughs> I I'm just if I ever meet that dog, I'm just going to call it Night's King at all times. There you go. Excellent. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Game of Thrones. Um, yeah. I I'm I'm a season behind, but I like I know everything that's been going Aww. on. So. You poor soul. Well, uh, oh, like spoiler spoiler culture no. has never bothered me. It's not even that though. I mean that's part oh, okay. of it. It's just that season oh, just, six just is so goddamn I, good. That I it's haven't watched. So it. okay. good. Like fuck. There are some yeah. there are some wonky things in it. There's a storyline that just kind of derails. And I'm like, why is this happening? Um, please stop. But for the most part, that oh, that season, man. 
they brought it back. That's and that's everything I heard. It's just yeah. I don't have an HBO Go account, so I'm mm. waiting for it to come out on DVD and Blu-ray and stuff. So I will. I, I get will an get HBO Go account soon. for free with student housing. So well, la di da, someone yeah. gets free shit. I pay, I pay a massive tuition for a private Catholic college, but I get a fifteen dollars subscription to HBO. There you go, yay! It's Woo. all worth it. Worth it in the end. I think so. All right, Game of Thrones. What uh, Game of Thrones? Another one that's very character driven, obviously. Yeah. Um, that very. Kind of, had you read the books going into it, or have you read the books? I have not read the books. Um, I did not know there were books. I did not. I never heard of Game of Thrones or A Song of Ice and Fire um, until the TV show premiered, and I started watching Game of Thrones in season right after season three ended. So I marathoned seasons one through three in three days, um, which was absurd. Yeah, but, a little bit. Yeah, no, it, it was it was it was summer. I didn't have anything else to do. Um, I did the thing. I did the same thing with like Lost, like for seasons one through four. I like marathon yeah. that whole thing in a week. Yeah. Um, the way I I have an approach to books being adapted into movies or into video game not or not video games or into um, TV shows. I believe that it's better to start with the show or movie and then read the book because inevitably something's going to be stripped away from book to screen and if you start with the screen version that's already been stripped down you're going to go into the book and be like i'm discovering a whole new world this is awesome it's like an evolution but if you go the opposite way and you go from the book to the movie you're probably going to feel like things you want to be there are being taken away from you and it will not be as fun um so that's part of the reason i haven't done it the other part of the reason is just that I keep trying to read Game of Thrones, and I'm just like, I've seen this scene so many times in the show, and it's so detailed in the book, which is great, but also slow, and I just want to get to the action, but I don't really want to get to the action, because I know it's coming. So I'm just like, I'm going to I'm gonna let Game of Thrones finish, and I'm going to take a nice healthy breather from that storyline, because I've rewatched the show so many times, and then I'll read the books. Just not right now. Yeah, makes sense. It's, I, like, I came into, I watched the first season after it was out, because um, I'd heard good good things about it, so I got it on Blu-ray or whatever, watched it, then read the first book, um, and, like, got all the other books, started to read the second book, but, like, put it aside, second season came out, then I read, like, books two, three, and four, and I'm somewhere in the middle of five, and I've watched seasons three, four, and five since, um, and, and it's certainly, like, certainly, like, at the point where... The show has certainly surpassed the books, um, so I'm it finding has. out new things on the show <laughs> than 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 I would be finding out in the book. But yeah, I totally like yeah. It's it's when I had like nothing to do for like when I wasn't writing every day or something like that. Um, sitting down and, and reading a chapter or two in Game of Thrones um, made much more sense. Um, and these days, it just doesn't at the moment. So yeah, I'll, I'm I'm kind of in the same boat. I'll keep watching the show and I'll get back to the. I also like. I, I have a, a, a more steady understanding of the schedule of the show of mm-hmm. like, okay, yeah, they're going to come out with a couple more seasons and then it's going to be done. No idea how many more books are really going to happen or when True. they're going to come. Um, True. So it's, it's certainly like, eh, that's, yeah. that's a much more reliable um, uh, option to consume the content. Yeah. And I know the books diverge heavily from the show as time goes on. So I feel like, like what you're saying if I wait until all the books are out, I can just consume them 
like at a nice pace and not feel like I'm having to wait. But if I start reading them now, I'm going to hit a point, like, you know, when you get to the end of the books where everyone else is, where you're just waiting on that next book. And I know I'm going to want that next book because it's diverged enough that there will be things I won't get from the show. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm going to wait. It's like, I mean, we got it a little bit with like Harry Potter, where it was like, okay, like, I'm hoping that the books are out in the time that the final movies are coming out, and they were. And yeah. We were, we were fine on that front. But like, they weren't when the movies started, and it was like, okay, like, let's... Let's hope she's got a good enough game plan on these that they're that she's gonna finish up before the movies do. Um, Fun fact: my laptop is propped up on like four Harry Potter books right now. Which ones? Um, Order of the Phoenix, then Deathly Hallows, then no, Order of the Phoenix, then Half Blood Prince, then Deathly Hallows, then Cursed Child. Okay, I haven't read Cursed Child yet. It's interesting. Good interesting it's, it's interesting it's, i mean it's a play so yeah like i feel like i would i will be more amenable to it than like the common audience just because of i mean i've, I've read plays for 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 fun for years bear um, in mind i'm a screenwriter who's read many scripts so me saying go. it's interesting is that's, that's different that's, than someone else saying it absolutely touche yeah um okay so game of thrones what else uh I've been watching Westworld. I mean, it, it just ended, Westworld. but Westworld is so good. Um, I love superheroes, as you know, it's probably evidenced by anyone watching because I'm wearing this right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Captain America jacket. Captain America jacket um, on brand. So I I love Flash, uh, Supergirl, Arrow is getting better. Um, a, a thing happened. A thing happened on Arrow. I'm not going to say what it was because that would be a no, major spoiler. I'd see, um, yeah, I, I I've not watched the this the mid season finale. I finally caught up on like the big crossover stuff. Yeah, uh, finished that. But yeah, I'm I am I am an episode behind on all of the this mid season finale stuff. Yeah, a thing happened on Arrow in the season in the mid season finale. Oh boy, um, is it a is it? A, eh, well, we'll we'll touch. Base I'm not. Offline. We'll touch base when it. Yeah, um, anyone who's seen it should understand. The, the connotation I'm saying oh boy with but I'm being deliberately vague on if this is anger or happiness um, but they'll know uh, yeah no I I stopped watching Arrow after Laurel died because at that point the only two characters I cared about in that show were Thea and Laurel and then it got knocked down to Thea and I was like this is not enough um, but no I've been watching season 5 because I heard it was better and it is better um so I, I watch Arrow, I watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., um, Agent Carter, before it got cancelled, rest in peace. Yeah, um, sad, sad. It was so good. Well, season one was so good. Um, yeah. What else? Oh, Legends of Tomorrow. Um, and is that all of them? There's a Netflix show, Stranger Things is super do cool. You, um, do you watch Gotham? I don't watch Gotham. I tried watching Gotham twice. Yeah, I watched, yeah, I watched Gotham season one, and people, and I got to, like, episode four and didn't care, and then people were like, but season two is so good now, they've changed so many things, so I was like, fine, I'll start in season two, and you know what happened? Still didn't care. Yep. Um, I know Kaylee Woomer loves Gotham, so, you know, I'm glad it makes other people happy. Um, I mean, she also loves Batman v Superman. True. True. Not the, not the highest standing to have there. Um... <laughs> No, I, I don't watch Gotham. I watch... What else do I watch? Young Justice is coming back. Hells yeah. yes. Um, I've never... I've never... 
like watched it, but it's I, really good. It's my, so good. my feed blew up when it when it was announced coming back for season three. So I was like, I will have to check that one out. I never appreciated how good Young Justice was until it was over, and then I went back and I was like, oh, this is actually amazing. Like this is an amazing storytelling. Um, yeah, I watched that. Um, I watched the Avatar TV shows when they were out. Uh, Airbender and Korra. Um, I watch basically everything on CW, or or I have watched at some point everything on CW. I might be behind right now because there's a lot of CW shows. Um, but CW is amazing. Like people don't give them enough credit. They're the best broadcast channel there is by far. Um, I mean, there's cable channels that are amazing, but in terms of broadcast, I think CW's worlds above anyone else. Um, iZombie's amazing. The hunt. Oh, the hundred. The hundred's amazing. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, I've heard I've heard great things about it. I know um, Eric Goldman. I think uh, at IGN like sings. It yeah, he does. And stuff, and it's just like I I I just don't have time to get I, into more shows. I understand, but good God, is it amazing? Um, mm-hmm. It's takes of like five episodes to find its footing so i go back and watch the first episode sometimes and cringe um but i mean i feel like it's, i feel like if i go back and watch the office or parks and rec you get the same thing oh you definitely will with parks and rec with both of those they're like their first little six season half like intro or six episode intro seasons where it's like we've got some ideas but they really refine the characters and yeah. really hit their stride in season two when they like they figured out what didn't work from yeah. that first half dozen. I feel like with the hundred, um, when they first wrote the, because the guy who create uh, created the hundred had never written a TV show before. He was a movie writer that sold many scripts, but not many were actually made. So I think when he got the job at the CW, he had this impression of what the CW was, which was like that old kind of stereotype we have for the CW of like it's a teeny bopper channel. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's still largely what they sell themselves it, as. So. They, they sell themselves as a young adult brand, but they don't sell themselves as, like, like soap opera, like, teen girl kind of things. Like, like The 100 was that way. The 100 was interesting concepts. Um, for those who don't know, The 100's about, um, like, 100 years in the future, the world's been destroyed by nuclear... Uh, fallout and the only surviving humans are the ones who were in space on 14 13 13 different um country space stations when the nuclear war went off so they all like united together into one massive station that's the remnant of humanity and because they're running out of oxygen they send um okay so if you commit a crime and you're over 18 you're killed immediately like regardless of the crime you're floated um, into space because they can't afford the oxygen. But if you commit a crime under 18, you're put in jail and will be sentenced on your 18th birthday to going back to like life or being released to the airlock, floated. Um, and they're running out of oxygen, so they decide that instead of killing off the convicted criminals, the teenagers, they're going to send them to Earth. And if they can survive down there, they know that there's that they can send everyone else. They know it's survivable. That's their answer. And if they can't survive down there, they would have had to kill them anyway. At least this is a chance. So they send the kids down. They have to survive on their own. Um, and minor spoiler for episode one, but like they revealed it in the trailer before the show actually premiered. They're not alone on the earth. 
there's an entire culture that survived called the grounders um so it's it's really intense and dark but in the beginning it's also very like drama romance teenagers being stupid kind of thing love triangles and as the show progressed like episode season one had it throughout most of it but it got a lot better on episode four or five and it got pretty dark and then season two was just like okay so just imagine the darkest things you could think of we're gonna do that moral ambiguity is anyone actually a good guy what are we willing to do to survive god it gets dark like oh man you would not if you watch the first episode you would not believe how far they're willing to go by the end of that show um yeah so i love that um i love iZombie. um and i love veronica mars the guy who created both of those shows um rob thomas is i'm 95 percent sure that's the right name it's been a week i've had a lot of finals i'm sorry if i'm wrong <laughs> um but the guy who created the show um he is my screenwriting idol because not that he creates my favorite shows but he's such a good showrunner the the skill he has at holding together different plot threads and keeping things interesting and not telling unnecessary storylines is amazing it's just it's such a tight show it's such a well done show um and then the show that i was saving for like my last piece of this conversation is this which i've mentioned briefly doctor, doctor who. who um Solid. yeah no i the thing with doctor who is it's not that i love all of doctor who and it has a lot of problems um, that I'm very aware of, and you have to suspend disbelief massively to enjoy it. Um, it also made it also made me who I am. So like I owe myself to that show essentially. Um, I started watching Doctor Who in eleventh grade, twelfth grade. I was it was pretty late. Like I had friends who'd been talking about it forever, and I just never got around to watching it. But I started watching that show, and I was this awkward, overweight kid in high school um, who, tran- who like moved to San Diego a year and a half before that. So I did not have friends I'd known for a long time. And I spent most of my time trying to get people to like me. I was like, I want these people to like me, so I'm going to you know, act how they act and try and hide things that I think they wouldn't find interesting about me. Um and I started watching Doctor Who and it just has this inherent ideology to it um, of like no you be a good person do what's right but be yourself while you're doing that you know and if if people don't like you for that then those aren't people you want to spend time with um, because you're just going to be lonely in that situation you're just making them happy um, and there's just there's so much great ideology from that show one of my favorite quotes of all time is um we're all stories in the end, so make it a good one. Um, nice. Which I yeah, I, which as a screenwriter, I'm kind of like attached to just naturally. But I just think that's a really like some people I suppose could take that in a negative way, but I kind of look at it as this beautiful idea. Like at the end of the day, we're just going to be a story in people's heads or on a piece of paper or told by our ancestors. So don't get so caught up in every little detail that can hurt. Just embrace it and live your life um 
and I'm very optimistic as a person, and I think I kind of developed that from the show too. Um, so Doctor Who is a testament to, I think, to how much shows can impact somebody. And like all media can, video games can do it, books can do it, movies can do it, but I think the length, the amount of time you spend with characters and with a show allows you to become attached and taught in a really, really brilliant way that you can't really do with other mediums. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I love Doctor Who a lot. So uh, with Doctor Who, uh, which which Doctor did you come in on, and are, are you talking specifically solely like the the rebooted series, or have yeah. you gone back and watched old old episodes and stuff? I've watched some old episodes. There's a lot of them. Um, Indeed, <laughs> I do not have the time to get through all of that. Yeah. So no, when I talk about Doctor Who, I'm primarily talking about the um, the modern stuff from Nine, the Ninth Doctor onward. Um, yeah. I've watched some of the very early episodes, like the very first episodes of Doctor Who. I've watched the Doctor Who uh, biopic about the first Doctor and like that stuff, and that was really cool. But no, yeah. I've not seen everything, unfortunately. I wish I had. That's, that's. I mean, the ones I've gone back to and watched, I'm like, yeah, these are like, they're definitely a product of their time. Yeah. And I think the modern era like took the spirit of the show but it's, um, it's yeah, it's just really good it to is. go back to. Doctor, um, Doctor Who changes a lot. Like, even yeah. even in modern Doctor Who, you can see it, you know. The shift from um, Russell T. Davies as a showrunner in seasons one through four to Stephen Moffat as a showrunner, Doctor Who became a lot more fairy tale in season five, I think. Yeah. Um, which I love. Like, season five is my favorite season of that entire show, um, which is also my first season, so I'm a little biased. Um, okay. So you came in with... 11. I came in in 5 with 11. And 5 is my favorite season, and 11 is my favorite Doctor. So how much of that is influenced by when I came in? I don't know. Probably a lot. Um, but it, it, it is. Yeah, that Vincent Van Gogh episode. Oh, God. God. So, so many feels. Oof. God damn. That's, that's, that and Blink are like the two mm-hmm. um, standalone episodes that I can go back and watch kind of anytime. Yeah. Um, and, Same. and that I will like direct people to when they're like, "Hey, like, I want to get into Doctor Who. What what should I watch?" I'm like, "Okay, these won't give you a good sense of like the overarching uh, like story, but these tell you these show you the kinds of stories they can tell." Yeah, um, uh, yeah. The um, I came into it like randomly. I was doing a show, um, doing a play called uh, The Mousetrap, Agatha Christie, um, like murder mystery novel or uh that was turned into a play um all the characters said in england and my director um for that show who i knew a little bit um uh through like the community but he was a big doctor who fan and so we, we were talking about it and so i was like oh okay i'll like i'll I, it's it's on netflix or whatever i'll go and like start watching so i start watching doctor who at the same time like my best friend at the time is also watching doctor who and we're kind of like watching in sync I end up basically using David Tennant as like the template for my accent in that show, um, which was amusing because there were a couple words in there where I would like switch into Scottish because um, he's Scottish into, in, 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 because he's yeah. Scottish, yeah. So so and what was great was my character was basically lying about who he was, so it didn't oh. matter that there was like there were moments where I just couldn't hold the facade. Um, Interesting, but yeah, that, that, so that's how I justified at least. Where yeah. I, was like, I would say I would say a word every night and be like, oh, it was a little too Scottish." Um, uh, but yeah, I was like, 
but it's okay because I can I can justify it as yeah. the actor playing the character. Uh, but yeah, so that accents that, are hard. They 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 certainly can. Yeah, um, I have I have friends who are in a um, a theater class on campus where they're the entire class is like learning how to do different accents, and I'll yeah. hear them switch into these accents sometimes. I'm like, how are you doing this? Yeah, I mean they're they're because I, I took those classes too. And right. They're, depending on how you do it, it can be a very like mechanical process where you basically just write everything out phonetically and then just make substitutions. So like uh, the the example I always talk about is uh, you know if you're if you're trying to do an accent in Tennessee, you'll take the e eh sound and make it an i sound. So you'll right. take pen and it becomes pin. Um, hmm. You know. Uh, and so it's 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 simple substitution, but yeah, you know, living in Tennessee, you talk about pins and stuff. So, um, you know, them writing utensils, which uh, that I'm sure I was not staying consistent with Tennessee there, but um, but yeah, like the, like you've learned kind of the the rules of the language and how to make the changes to um, to make it apply. Makes sense. Um, uh, the it, it's very rare that like you have the time to do that and go through the script and make all those substitu- substitutions and figure it out. So it's absolutely like we were all none of us in that show that we were like all being British. We all had very different Britishes. <laughs> like we were all doing a different dialect of British. Right. Um, uh, I I could at least like write it off as like I'm not really this character, so it's okay for me. But yeah, you two who are married and have grown up together, you should probably sound a little bit more alike than you do. Yeah. Um, but we didn't have like a real dialect coach or anything. It was a community theater, whatever. Um, yeah, dialects are hard. Um, yeah, but yeah, Doctor Who was just um, it was it was certainly it hit me at like uh, the time I needed that kind of like inspirational Same. storytelling and stuff. Um, uh, and it was a great thing to bond with my with with my friend over um what do you uh so like so the 11th doctor is your favorite i i probably in the end i agree with that because i okay. think he has like the menace of um of like nine or the, the darkness of he nine does and the lightheartedness of of 10 yeah um and he could like matt smith is does a great job of like being able to switch on a dime mm-hmm. from one to the other um so i yeah i, I can i can I can fully support that. I I hate Nine though, and it's it's not that I hate Nine; okay. it's that I hate Christopher Eccleston. Interesting. Because he like he went in this thing knowing he was only going to do a season, and then just like re- like refuses to come back and do anything. So it's very clear that like if you watch the 50th anniversary, yes. the 50th anniversary special should have been Nine, Ten, and Eleven. Yep. But because Eccleston wasn't going to come back and do it, they had to make up this War Doctor. For yeah. Or William, uh, William Hurt, John Hurt, whichever William Hurt. William Hurt, um, uh, and so it's like, like his his decision to to like help bring the series back, and his disdain for the fandom of the series just boggles my mind. Yeah, I, I, I get like, that. God damn you, Christopher Eccleston! Like you, uh, you could be so much cooler than you are, but you you went and like just you you're crapping the bed on so much. Yeah, honestly, like I never loved Nine as a version that much um he grew on me over time but because because he and season one as a whole had to grow on me and because he's only around for one season he's just kind of a doctor i don't think about that much yeah it's i mean when i think of like early doctor who i think of rose more than i think of yeah uh, same ultimately because she ended up bridging the gap but i also i also felt that like 
they didn't need to shoe in a love story there between nine and Rose. Mm. It, it ends up paying off a little bit with ten, but yeah, it was like it. It was also just kind of weird and uncomfortable, where it's like, okay, <laughs> this guy's like nine hundred something years old, and uh, and you're having him run around with an eighteen year old girl. That's uh, yeah. Little, little, un- little uncomfortable when you think about it in that context, and I sure. get that, like you know, the target audience of like children or whatever, or or man children, um, is not is not necessarily thinking about that. But it yeah. was always in my mind. I mean, I was like this is weird. It is at the same time. Like I used to ship the hell out of Eleven and Clara, so I can't really talk. <laughs> that's that's fair. Yeah, um, yeah. What do you think of Capaldi and how uh, what he's doing with the show? I like Capaldi a lot. Um, it took me a while to embrace him um, fully, especially because I love uh, Eleven so much, so losing Matt Smith as Eleven was just hard. Yeah. Um, but I also feel like Eight was just a kind of not great season. So he had that working against him because season yeah. nine of Doctor Who was fantastic. It's so good. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Like, I... Eight, eight has two of my least favorite episodes of the modern era. Which ones? In the the moon egg one. Oh Jesus God! The, yeah, and the the like world forest one or whatever. Because I'm like, okay, like you've completely thrown subtlety out the window for these allegories. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh my God! I just I I got I was so angry watching those episodes. Yeah, they um, weren't great because of at just all. how over the over like over the head they're trying to beat you with their message <sighs> yeah it was frustrating <laughs> um but yeah i, I kind of I, like i love i love his, uh his intensity um with the role and he's not like so he has that that side of it down the like the dark mats yeah episodes he can really nail those and i think he i think he struggles a little bit more with the lightheartedness um or I- it just it feels like he's struggling a little bit more Maybe that's and maybe that's just my own ageism or whatever because maybe. Of, you know his appearance that I, I like when he when he does slapsticky stuff it feels extra slapsticky and physical comedy stuff and I'm like I don't like this isn't this isn't the doctor I want <laughs> yeah like I'm um, thinking in particular I'm thinking like his his debut episode and and, uh, and like um, falling out of the the tree onto the horse or whatever and, and a lot of like that those some of those sequences i'm just like I, is this is this where we're going with this uh-oh uh, but yeah i agree that in nine it um season nine it, it kind of it, uh, it did itself around yeah 12 isn't my favorite um he's probably below 10 um but i like him a lot i'm happy having him around and i'm willing to have him around until capaldi wants to leave yeah it's not it, like i know my dad is not a big nine fan so he's just like constantly sitting here going or not a big 12 fan so he's constantly sitting here going like when do we get the next doctor and I'm like I like him I don't mind this whatsoever I mind the goddamn sonic glasses but yeah that was that was that was stupid that was indeed stupid um they made up for it with uh, Clara being alive and basically her own doctor though because she's my favorite companion so I'm just like that's right that's right Clara that's as I was going to ask, if uh, given given your affinity for Eleven, if Clara or Amy and Rory were your were your favorites? Yeah, yeah no, it's um, Clara. Um, again, this is one of those situations where I feel like I am biased because Eleven's my favorite Doctor, but at the same time, I feel like I'm right on a personal level, at least because like Clara's my favorite, and then Rory, and then Amy, and then 
Donna, and then Rose, and then um, Martha. And I don't dislike any of them. Yeah, poor Martha. Uh, I don't dislike any of them. Um, Martha's just kind of there, but I, I definitely love Clara, Rory, Amy more than I love Ten's companions. I I would yeah I'm, I I'm in the same boat there. I yeah. like I, I don't know if it was like I felt like I could relate to them more than than Donna or or whatever but um yeah I I I probably lean towards um Amy and Rory a little bit more than than Clara. If anything because I felt like Clara and and the 11th Doctor too often like were just the same note a little bit. Like they were both fast talking and inquisitive and, and stuff so I think she plays off way better with with Capaldi for my money mm-hmm. than uh, because it's they, they have different flavors now um, but yeah I like I, I she also got saddled with the fact that she was basically a MacGuffin um, she really was to, in season for 7 for her introduction and so yeah so it, it it takes like it that that takes some weight away from the character that they eventually build her into because I mean like the I... the uh, the like the the death episode in is it in season eight? Season, uh, her death episode? No, no. The the like her the the guy that she was oh, seeing. Oh, uh, that's eight. Just, yeah. Like when he dies in a very Joss Whedon esque manner of like just suddenly just and dead. without like fanfare. Um, like that that was definitely like a heart wrenching um, episode. Uh, but it was it was like I feel like if I had liked her as a character more, um, mm-hmm. kind of. For another year or so before that, I think it would have had even more um, emotional impact on. Yeah, I think Um, I was benefited because when that happened, I was pretty active on um, Tumblr in terms of like Doctor Who fandom community. Oh, so you're so you're just seeing all the gifts. Yeah, all the gifts. Um, that was a dark time in my life. Um, like I I have some (laughs) friends. I have some friends that I made through Tumblr, um, who I value greatly. But oh, Tumblr. Um, but no, so I was, I was very active in that community when, um, Clara came. So season seven, the second half of season seven, when we had Clara as this like witty, fast talking, you know, she, you're right. She was very much the doctor. Um, I feel like she was kind of a toned down doctor cause seven, seven in season seven, 11 kind of went over the top, um, in a way I did not love, but I could, the, I think the details of her like her flaws the the subtleties of what makes me like clara a lot while built out and explored in eight and nine were there in seven they were just kind of very subtle and masked and i might not have picked up on them if i wasn't on tumblr but i was and people loved clara and we were all talking about her and analyzing every little detail so i was presented with the nuance of the character because i chose to investigate that much which isn't how a story should work you should not need to investigate to understand a character beyond being like kind of a Mary Sue. Um, but so like, but when season eight happened and they explored Car- Clara more and her flaws and her nuance and her being too stubborn and too into all this kind of stuff. And I had friends who were like, Oh, so she's actually complicated now. I'm like, I always saw that it wasn't explored. Well, I get that, but it was always there. So I was attached to Clara very fast. Yeah, that makes sense cool um are you, are you excited for the uh the christmas special coming up in a couple weeks god yes it's been so long since we've gotten <sighs> since we've gotten new who 
British television yeah. has messed with my like patience so much because now I'm just like, right. oh, is a, is a show coming? Is it happening? Oh my god! Yeah, uh, I I'm also I'll be I'll be curious to see uh, the new companion as well. Uh, Me too. I'm iffy. Yeah, I'm I'm a little yeah like like the just from what I've seen so far, I'm like I don't. Eh, I mean yeah, and, and it's like I'm because I'm not thinking at it like. I have to step back because, like, going off of it's going. I'm I'm going off almost entirely of visual, and it's not that it's a, a young black woman. Oh yeah, it's no. like the face she's making in the image. Yes, of just a very over the top like grin. Where I'm like, oh my god, yeah. like she just looks like she's got crazy on the face, and I don't know if I want <laughs> if I want that. And it's it's so I'm I'm definitely not trying to be like racist or sexist in that in that like reservation. Yeah. Just I had that, that thought. How they're unveiling her to the world, I'm like, oh, she she looks like she's got some things. Which I also could be could be awesome. It could be could it's it's like there's a high risk reward kind of going on there for me. It's it's not. I have no idea what I'm getting into. Yeah, I had that thought I like, when I she, like knowing a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I had that thought when she was first revealed because, like, okay, Clara is like a short kind of very pretty girl next door brunette, which is very much my type. Um... <laughs> And Amy's a redhead, which is also very much my type. Um, so, like, I, I've I've had a gamut of very attractive companions. So when I saw the character and I was like, I'm not sure I like you, I needed to step back and make sure I wasn't just being like, well, am I just expecting the woman to be attractive? Is that my baseline? Um, I mean, I'm sure that probably has a bit of a reaction, especially because I love Clara so much. So everyone I compare now to, or every companion that is introduced, I'm going to be like, but I lost Clara for you. Um, but I think you're right. I think, like, not even just her facial expressions, but her outfit, her facial expressions, her name, all kind of seem... Like, it has the potential to be a bit try-hard. And I don't know if it will be. It very well could not be. But it does instill a bit more hesitancy than I'm used to. Yeah. Is this also... Um... Because I imagine you might even be up to, more up, up up to date on it than I am. Um, is that is Stephen Moffat still running he is. this season? One or? more season, okay. I think. So this is his last one. Yeah, okay. I didn't remember if it was if if like the Christmas special was going to be his swan song, and then a new showrunner was taking over, or if this was, um, or if he he still had one. I'm almost season. positive it's one more season. Um, okay. I remember that stuff being announced a while ago, though, and my life has yeah. been very chaotic since then. Yeah. Um, and, it, and and given the timing of things, it's like okay, yeah, I mean, yeah, it could be, could be that, or it could be like maybe that was Sherlock or something that that I'm thinking of. Um, cool, yeah, uh, Doctor Who, great. I mean, great, like yeah, great one to end it on, uh, especially just the the history and, and lineage of that show. Um, and yeah, I like that we can that that we both kind of have a, a shared affinity for it to mm-hmm. to kind of uh, enjoy that conversation. Great. Um, well. Let's wrap up with Trove Topics. Topic Let's do number it. four. Woo woo. Uh, the, uh, the, this is the chance for the community to kind of come in and ask us questions. Um, I sent out a tweet earlier and people tweeted back. Some of them use the hashtag Trove Topics, which is always great. Um, you can always follow me at Snarky Starkey or the show at Trove Talk. Um, so let's, let's dive in. 
up first, I have uh, I this this came in later, but I figured um, it would be a, a good one to kick off. So, where did the name Mister Bento Box come from? This is from Zyger uh, at at Zyger one three three seven. He says, "I assume it has to do with the fight to the death for Bento." And I know yeah. you responded um, that uh, <laughs> uh, he would be disappointed. He's going to be disappointed. Um, no, so the reason Mister Bento Box happened was. I used to have the username Beatdown Ben, um, which was like inspired by ga- uh, Greg's Game Over Greggy. But people would be like, "So are you beating yourself down?" And I was like, "No." Um, this was in middle school. So then I decided to change it up, and I changed, and I was really into video games at that point. Um, so I was like Ben to Game, which was like in my mind a pun on Born to Game, even though it's really not. Um, <laughs> so I was using that for a while, and I was never really happy with it. And then I was in, I think my junior year, I was talking to a friend and they're like, oh, I really like your Twitter username. Um, it's like a bento box kind of thing. Right. And I'm like, no, but that's better. Um, so I switched to Mr. Bento box cause bento box just by itself was taken and it keeps my name in it, which I thought was fun. Um, so now I'm just Mr. Bento box and I really hope it's not cultural appropriation. Um, cause that concept <laughs> did not exist to me when I made it and I've invested too many things into that name. So here we are. That's, that's fair. Uh, you're not trying to be racist. I really didn't. You are. <laughs> I didn't mean to. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, up next, uh, Brandon Gann at games Gan asks, uh, I'm sure you'll talk about PSX at length, but what was your favorite thing from the keynote? So we didn't, I mean, we, yeah, like yeah. I figured this could be our chance to kind of really delve into PSX. Um, uh, yeah, so and we did talk a little bit about uh, the Lost Legacy being one of the mm-hmm. exciting announcements in The Last of Us Two, um, obviously. Yeah, what did like what were your what are your PSX memories? Um, yeah, so in terms of the keynote, I think Last of Us Two is the biggest, or Last of Us Part Two, um, is the most significant moment to me. Not because I care about it as much as More Uncharted, um, I care about it equally to More Uncharted, but the reaction to that, first of all, was more of a surprise, and second of all, it's a sequel which um and it showed some amazing things and it showed ellie at 19 um so i definitely just the reaction everyone had to that being i was in the hotel sitting um in the lobby but i could hear everyone explode because they were watching it on the screen outside or on a tv inside and everyone just lost their shit i'm like this is great um that was the defining moment yeah that was that was definitely a big moment in the room of um, you know the the you see like because it starts and you're like oh okay we're getting to see some days gone because it's mm-hmm. you know forest and then it's it's kind of run down truck and stuff and then it pans back and you see the firefly symbol and everybody lost yeah. their damn mind it was like this is amazing oh my god and then yeah like as much as they showed and and uh, and getting to see Ellie kind of bloodied and beaten um sing sing the song and then Joel walks in and yeah it was definitely a a very powerful tease of what's to come. Um, I, like the fact that they they kind of came in with it so much, saying like you know this is this is a ways out. Um, yeah, you know we're not, we're not going to see this anytime soon. This, but the team wanted to show you this early taste of it. I'm like, okay, I mean like I don't want to have to wait for this two years, guys, or three years, or however long it's going to be. Fall 2018, it calling it. I, I want it now. <laughs> Come at me, Alex um, O'Neill. Yeah, that was uh, but yeah, that was definitely. Uh, a big moment and yeah the fact i mean the fact that naughty dog opened and closed the show yeah. um as, as i put in like my write-up was certainly a like a, a big deal i think um uh and definitely shows or actually I guess, I guess it was probably just a tweet or something that i put out um but definitely shows like they are 
the cream of the crop in Sony's mind and Sony's eye. Um, which I mean, like we've pretty much all known for a while, but that they're like oh, yeah. acknowledging it in that way um, and not giving maybe another uh, studio the opportunity, the highlight here um, certainly resonated with me. Um, yeah. I, I, when did, when in the, when in the uncharted um, thing, did you catch on that it was uncharted? So here's the thing. Um, oh, we're, oh, Cause you might not even been watching it. At I time. wasn't watching it. When I, when I started up the stream, I, um, it had gotten to Marvel versus Capcom. So I, I loaded into that. So I only heard about Uncharted Lost Legacy by the title, and then I went back to watch the trailer. So people were saying, like, oh, I didn't know who it was going to be. Was it going to be, like, Laura Croft? Was it going to be Chloe? Like, who is this person? Is it something entirely different? I went in knowing it was Chloe and Nadine. I knew all of that stuff when I watched the trailer, so... Yeah, okay. Yeah, because I, I... So it starts out, and, and you've got the, the kind of... The character... It's it's definitely closer than the, like than an Uncharted camera, so that was kind mm-hmm. of a, a, a nice little swerve that they had. But as soon as you see other faces, I'm like, oh, this is the Uncharted thing, because it's it's the Uncharted... Uncanny... It's the Uncharted version of Uncanny, Uncanny Valley, yeah. uh, a little bit. Um, and uh, and we're walking around, I'm like... I'm sitting there, I'm like... Is this Chloe? Are we getting Are we getting a Chloe story? And I almost like I had a tweet that was basically that I waited almost the entire trailer to put out that was basically like, and PSX starts with dot dot dot, and I wrote Chloe like Chloe Uncharted question mark, but I didn't hit send oh. because I didn't I didn't I didn't want to I didn't want to like post it and then be wrong find out I'm wrong like ten seconds later or something so so I was like oh I wish I wish I had like called that in in time yeah. Um, but yeah, it was uh, that was certainly a like a crazy reveal in the room as well. Um, getting to kind of getting to see everybody go crazy about that. Um, on, uh, Marvel vs. Capcom was not my like I like as as somebody that hasn't really been into fighting games um, and the fact that it had basically leaked before. Yeah, um, it was still like cool and it was a great reveal. But um, I was mostly just amused by the fact that. The first PSX Street Fighter Five leaked in the exact same way. Like, oh yeah, um, uh, like it got it got leaked. I mean, that one was a little bit worse because like the trailer leaked beforehand. Um, but yeah, it was like wow, like Sony and Capcom do do are not good at like locking that now. They really aren't. Uh, Who is nowadays? That's that's true. I mean, well, we like we didn't know about Uncharted Part Two. That's true. Good job, Naughty or, Dog. Uh, or not not Uncharted Part Two. <laughs> Last of Us Part Two. Yeah, I know um, what you meant. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like I, they, I think I think this year it was a much better, a much better paced conference than uh, than last year's was, especially than last year's. Oh God, um, uh, it didn't end on something like Paragon, so that was always a solid choice. Um, I was I was a little dismayed by um, the same things that I was dismayed by at the E3, in that like the lack of dates um, on on a lot of these things. I'm like, I, okay, you're showing me stuff. And I'm excited for it, but I don't know when I should set my expectations on when this stuff's coming. So sure. that's, it 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 immediately dampened the expectation of or the the excitement for it. It's like, oh, this is awesome, but I have no idea when I'm going to play it. So, blech. Um, did you end up playing anything on the show floor? Or doing I did. Yeah, um, I played Horizon Zero Dawn, which okay. was amazing. Um, the PS4 crashed on me midway through, so I had to restart from the beginning. Um, nice. But yeah, no, I, I had a lot of fun playing that. Um, maybe it was you that broke down the Haunted Mansion, huh? How about that? I mean, maybe it was the combined power of both of us. 
There we go. Yeah. Yes. Um, Both of our latent mutant powers. No, I... I played Horizon Zero Dawn. I played um, Persona 5, which was really fun. The only problem being it took three hours to get through that line. Um, yeah. It was a five-minute long demo, and everyone finished before me because I was like towards the back of our group of friends in line. So they went and took a picture with Morgana, and they were trying to call me over, and the guys were like, nope, we don't have time for this. We're taking the photo right now. And they're like, okay. So there's a photo of everyone, and you just see, yeah, my, you just see the screen that I was playing on in the background where I was not allowed to be called over from. So that's fun. Um, Sad face. Yeah. Uh, but no, those were really fun. Um, I played this game called Future Grind. Uh, Future Grind? I think it's called Future Grind. It's a little indie game. I guess uh, Franklin Sizemore Arctic Sloth says he saw it last year too. And they said it was going to be coming out soon and had not come out. And it still hasn't come uh-huh. out. Um, but it's pretty cool. It's your little like cart and you're basically grinding on rails um, placed throughout the level. But each or almost all the rails are color-coded, and you have a wheel on the top and a wheel on the bottom, so you have to spin it so the right color matches with the rail, and if you don't, you explode. Um, oh. Yeah, no, it was it, it's cool. It was fun to play. Um, I am keeping my eye on it now. And then we played three-on-three freestyle, um, the basketball game, which was surprisingly fun, even though we got decimated. <laughs> cool. Um... Yeah, I, did, I, uh, I as I wrote about in my like opus mm-hmm. of the week, um, I didn't play anything. Uh, the things I was interested in, like Persona Five and, and Horizon Zero Dawn, um, I wasn't interested in waiting in those lines. Yeah, for. and the uh, the things that like the smaller things, like um, like uh, like those games that that I've been interested in, um, I've seen or played at other things. Like there, and and absolutely, there were a couple that like I played at last year's PSX that were still yeah. at this year's PSX. I saw those too. Yeah. Um, um, so, yeah. Oh, there was the new. Game. Sorry, there was the new Housemark Housemark game too. Um, oh, yeah. Which name I cannot remember right now. Ne- is it? It's like next. Is it next? It's not next Machina. Next, next. Yeah, it is next Machina. It's next Machina. Okay. Because it's 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 almost ex Machina. And yeah. Then an end in there. I know. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I played that. I played. I found that game on the floor, like the second I walked in, and there was uh, no line. And I was like, okay, people are going to figure out this is here really fast. Yeah. So I'm getting in line now. Um, nice. So I played that. That was a lot of fun. But yeah, I I only did the Horizon Zero Dawn demo because it was during the kind of funny signing. So a bunch of people I was hanging out with, you know, Kaylee and Zyger, they were up there handing out their little wristbands that I'm wearing. Um, and nice. Just not, yeah. just not wearing it. Cause, yeah. Well, uh, I, I had to go to work the last couple days. I respect that. My work is school. They don't give a shit. Um, there you go. So I I got in line for Horizon Zero Dawn while they were doing that. Um, I only got in line for Persona 5 because everyone else was in line. So I was like, I'm here. I very quickly decided I was there for people. Um, I was yeah. not there for games. But because the people I wanted to spend time with were in line for a game I wanted to play, I was like, this is fine. I'd be spending yeah. time with them anyway, so why not wait in a three-hour-long line to play Persona 5? Yeah. yeah, I mean, it gave you like, just like we had spent um, Friday hanging out at Disneyland. Yeah, in line for Haunted Mansion before it broke down on us. Um, gave, gives you the time to, to catch up and, and visit with people and stuff. Exactly. So I totally yeah, and 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 I think uh, like I I was definitely a little more worn down, so I was I I was not. If I had tried to wait in line for for Persona for three hours talking to everybody, I would have been like, 
Huh. Nope, I'm I'm sleepy. I'm I I. That's fair. Very out of it. Come the evenings, uh, activities and stuff. Yeah. So, um, cool. Um, do, 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 do. um anything else PSX related that you want to touch on? I mean, yeah, uh, like hang out with everybody. Like I, said, like I said, yeah, everybody. Like yeah, all the, the time we got to spend. I mean, I could spend. I could spend the next fifteen minutes just like rattling off the names of everyone that I got to see and love dearly um, and wish lived nearby, but that would be time-consuming and probably uninteresting. So instead, we'll go into the time-consuming, non-interesting thing of you talking about Hufflepuffs. So so Barrett Courtney, at Bananler Chong, uh, says, please explain in great detail why Slytherin is the best house, and Quentin Hoffman, at Quantum underscore Arbiter, um, uh, replied, quick answer, it just is. And then you obviously were, were like all right we're talking about hufflepuffs so, yeah well yeah. i mean they opened <laughs> nice you got you got the scarf it's a newt's commander scarf uh from fantastic beasts and where to find them the main character of the new series of harry potter movies is a hufflepuff suck it um yeah, I, I mean until he's not the main character anymore and they turn it into a grindelwald versus dumbledore story but okay, i mean yeah, go ahead that's probably gonna happen you're right but i don't I'm, care I'm, I'm working on uh i'm i'm Possibly by the time this is posted, uh, well, definitely by the time this is posted, this segment has posted. Um, I will, I should have a piece up on Trevor Trove, basically talking about that as my theory of like, my, and my big concern of the Fantastic Beast movies. Yeah, we'll but see what yes. happens. I have faith in J.K. Rowling, and I mean, you could make the argument that it's barely Newt Scamander's movie to begin with. Exactly. Um, very, much, very much so. I, when I saw that movie, I saw it with four people. I, I just going to talk about Fantastic Beasts now. Um, I saw it with four people, two of which loved them, loved it, and two of which did not like it. I hate those people. But um, <laughs> but I was driving back, and they were complaining about it. And the one complaint they had, or not even a complaint, but the one insight they had that I actually think is really accurate, it's basically Ferris Bueller's Day Off. The main character does not change or grow or do any of that. The main character just is. He's a cool character that you go on the ride with. The character that you're actually going to watch grow and evolve is the sidekick. In Ferris Bueller's Day Off, it's Cameron. In this one, it is the guy whose name I don't remember right now. But it starts with a K. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you get the same thing in... Uh, that's that's the the fatal flaw of Back to the Future as well. That Marty doesn't grow. That's true. It's, it's all about George McFly, his growth. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't really mind because I love Ferris Bueller's Day Off. So I accept that formula. Um, there you go. But no, so Hufflepuff. I don't. I don't feel the need to talk about Hufflepuff. Um, but I'm also not going to call Slytherin. I'm, Hufflepuffs wouldn't talk about Hufflepuffs. Yeah, That's, I'm also not going to call Slytherin the best house because it's not. So <laughs> they're fine. They're great. Some very good people are in Slytherin. Lin Manuel Miranda is a Slytherin. Um, yeah. But it's, it's, it's it is a house of ambition. It is a house of ambition, and I respect that. Personally, I think. Um, Hufflepuff is my favorite house, and then Ravenclaw, and then... I don't really know beyond that, honestly. Gryffindor and Slytherin both have their faults. Um, so does Ravenclaw and Hufflepuff, don't get me wrong, but... Uh, Hufflepuff is J.K. Rowling's favorite house, and our basis is on loyalty. And while I'm not saying that all you need in life is loyalty, you can still value bravery and, um, wisdom and ambition... I'm just saying I'd rather have a friend who's loyal before anything else than ambitious before anything else. So Hufflepuff. That's fair. Yeah. Um, No. I bring up Hufflepuff a lot. I don't mean to. It's just whenever whenever I'm explaining myself or, like, the reason I do something, 
it's so easy to just describe me by being like, I'm really Hufflepuff. Like, yeah. like, oh, why, why did you end up spending all your time talking to your friends um, at PSX and not going to play video games? I'm like, because I'm Hufflepuff as hell. Because this is what matters to me more. Um, we, I think I mentioned it to you. Uh, are you familiar with, or it might have been other people, are you familiar with the, uh, the Very Potter musical on YouTube? I am. Yep. My, one of my favorite lines in there is like Hufflepuffs are particularly good finders. Yes, yeah. Cedric Diggory says that, and and uh, and like what Dumbledore? Somebody said somebody says back like, "What the fuck's a Hufflepuff?" We never lived that down. <laughs> we're such an under. We're such a misunderstood house. Um, I mean, it like you suffer from the core books because they're like Cedric Diggory is the most Hufflepuff yeah. of note character. Yeah. Um, and no, he Tonks. Out, like he. I mean, of note. Was Tonks is thing. worth note. Yeah, she, she Tonks is, is great. but Cedric Diggory more so. Okay, fine. And he goes out, like, he goes out as, uh, you know, um, uh, to, to Voldemort. So, um, yeah, the uh, that's that's why I think Hufflepuff gets a bad rap. Is we do. The, I mean, like, obviously you've got the, the battle between the Gryffindors and the Slytherins, and then Ravenclaw has the, um, has, like, the the smarty goody two shoes yeah kind of like Luna love good like yeah they, they, they ravenclaw is a very good house i respect the yeah. hell out of ravenclaw i just yeah. love my house um Sorry. yeah okay um all right uh moving on uh zyger comes back with um you're one of the nicest guys i've had the pleasure of meeting but why yep. do you like pineapple on pizza okay so we're just hitting all the ben things right now um yep pretty much yeah <laughs> Yeah, um... That's, I mean, like, I did say you were coming on the show, so they did kind of no, I know the questions to I know. Um, so, first of all, um, I'm not one of the nicest people you know. I just, I don't know, I'm not. Um, I'm okay. But, why do I like pineapple on pizza? It's really simple. I have taste buds. That's kind of it. Um, no, I... I had a Slytherin answer. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm very sarcastic. I can be loyal yeah. and loving and sarcastic. Um, no, I... I don't really mind people not liking pineapple on pizza. Um, mm-hmm. That's fine. Like, I, people are allowed to like different things. I just get... I've gotten very defensive. A, because I kind of started the whole kind of funny argument over it. I brought it up. Um, and that spiraled, so I just invested myself because I like investing myself in stupid stuff. Like the use of the word basically. Um, there you go. Yeah. But, um, but there are people who are like, oh, pineapple on pizza is gross. Or like, that's not what pizza is. And I'm like, okay, get over yourself. Pizza was bread with leftovers thrown on. That is the traditional ancestry of pizza. There is no such thing as like an affront to what makes pizza pizza. It's bread, it's sauce, it's cheese, and it's other things thrown on top. And if it tastes good, that is pizza. Get over yourself. Yeah. Brian Kessen, I don't know how to pronounce your last name. Brian writes code. Uh, Keshinger? Linger? Keshinger? Keshinger? Yeah. Yes, Brian writes code. Um, I remember this fight. Uh, okay. Uh, Zyger continues. If you didn't have to school, if you didn't have to go to school that Monday and went to Disney with us, would you have dabbed? God damn right, I would have. To, to the uh, the picture uh, that. Zyger, Frank, and I have in our final moments of uh, of our Disneyland time on Splash Mountain, where we each dabbed out like different um, 
different sides of the the log. Um, I have no doubt that you would have dabbed. Oh yeah, I, I so I if have I freaking I dabbed, then anybody would have gone. I have no shame. Yeah, I mean I have yeah, some shame, fun. but I have very yeah, little. A, so we that's that's actually take two because the first time we went on, we had like some random stranger with us. Mm. And we definitely kind of wanted that picture more just to see what the guy was doing behind us. Um, uh, but we got uh, we got through, and it was like 11.58, and the park was closing at midnight. And the guy was basically like, you guys want to go again? And so we got up. The guy behind us got off, um, and then uh, Zyger and Frank moved so that Zyger would get front and get soaked this time around. And then, yeah, we went on the ride again, and so that was our dab picture. We nice. did the same pose both times, but... but in, in the one that got lost to time because we weren't there to go and grab the, the image, um, uh, he uh, we had we had a complete random stranger with us, and we like, hey, it's entirely you don't know. possible. It's entirely possible he dabbed along with us because we basically made no shame in saying like our plan to dab, and we like we practiced like beforehand which side we, each of us were going to go. So he could have absolutely been like, oh, that's what they're doing. Yeah. All right, I'm in. And then he could have done it too, um, but uh, but we we will never know. He uh, he knows. I mean, you say it's lost of time. There's a good chance he has that photo. It could exist. It's, pos- it's yeah. possible. And I could I could probably go through because I have the number for ours. I could probably go back through the number on like the the Disneyland app and find oh, it. Oh yeah. But I'm not gonna invest the no, time to do that's, that. That's I don't a lot care of work. That much. I'm not I'm not gonna seek out another picture of dabbing that much. Um. Uh, up next, Brienne, who we spoke of earlier at Miss Movies, asks, "Why are you guys my favorite?" Aww. And and I don't know. I mean, like you've got an excuse because you actually help her out with stuff. I, I mean, <laughs> I feel like at least in my case, I apparently have successfully uh, tricked her into thinking I'm okay. Don't know how yeah. I pulled that off. It's gonna blow up in my face eventually. I assume she's, she's out there. She's out there talking to one of your your uh, your movie heroes, Jeremy Johns. Yeah. Getting him to yeah. that was that was I think I told her about that when uh, or I talked to her about that when we when we met up on Monday at Disneyland um, because like was it it was probably Friday night when we were like in the hotel yeah it was Friday night like you look at your phone you're like what the what hell did Brian do fuck <laughs> because he just tweeted like yeah hey, Mr Bento Box is pretty cool or something like it that. wasn't like liking my page or following me or tweeting at me it was just like a tweet that all of his followers could see. And someone replied to that, and they're like, who is he? Why is he, like, why is he the best? Why, what's going on? I'm like, I don't know either, friend. I don't know either. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and and, uh, so, yeah, I don't know if you heard the story from Brienne after the fact. I've not heard the story. I told her I was going to ask her, but I haven't seen her yet, so. (laughs) Yeah, and we talked about it a little bit at Disneyland. She basically was like, oh, yeah, like, we were, we were, we had recorded something and, and, uh, and just went out for dinner afterwards, and we're. Uh, she she mentioned that like oh yeah we've got like a pseudo intern uh, uh, this guy Ben he's really like he's a big fan of yours and and uh, and and so Jeremy was like oh I'm totally gonna tweet at him right now <laughs> and uh, and so yeah they they turned it into a thing for you I love that man she did um she did her film therapy episode with him yesterday I think mm-hmm. and I was watching that and I was in like the live chat because it's a live show um so because I was in it she's like oh that's the guy I had you tweet at. So like they talked nice. about me briefly on that. I'm like, I love everything right now. Hooray! Nice. Yeah, she and I, uh, we like sitting down on a Disneyland park bench. Mm-hmm. She did like a mini film therapy video with me. Nice. So I don't know, I don't know how she distributes those little like one or two minute videos, but it'll be. I'm pretty it's, sure it's up. it's it's somewhere in her phone. 
yeah. um, at, le- at the least. We talked a little bit about uh, the movie Stardust, which is... Uh, I love Brienne so much. It's She's so great. Yeah. Um, I got to meet her at uh, at Let's Play Live. Right. Um, uh, I was where we first met up, and I'm sitting next to her, and she's talking about how, um, how she got into the guy's through the Max Landis episode mm-hmm. started just going back through everything and then she's talking about like oh yeah she, like I've done some stuff with Screen Junkies I was like oh my god you have yeah. that's amazing um, so yeah I was like it, it's crazy it's a small world of like some of the things I'm, I'm a big fan of yeah all, all colliding and stuff and colliding hey collider boom we've nailed it we've ended up in a weird circle yeah yeah like I, I see people you know working on their way to getting jobs in like games media or working in games media like Barrett at IGN and like Brianne knowing all these people who I've been watching on sh- Screen Junkies and other platforms for a long time, and I'm like, I exist in the periphery of this world. Like, give it t- five, ten years now, and so many people from like our little kind of funny section of the community are going to be doing these crazy things and like going to be a significant part of video games and just entertainment media as a whole, and that's insane. Yeah, yeah. we're we're like we're two or three degrees from like the center circle right now yeah and we're just kind of moving in in in, uh, inward um i don't know if that explains why you are or why we are your favorite brianne but you are our favorite yeah so thank you for for uh for the question and the support um and just being awesome in general and uh, and thanks for thanks for hanging out at disneyland for a little bit with us with me not not me yeah no because i had school Ben didn't like you enough to, to come and ditch school that day. I didn't know she was going to be there. I told you she was going to be there. I said on Friday, I was like, oh yeah, Brianne's coming. It was a long weekend. Alright. Uh, <laughs> up next, uh, the Reverend Cameron Abbott at Unsexiest Comedy asks, you fuckers need to talk Hamilton. Also, personal and professional rivalries. So we talked Hamilton a little bit. We did talk uh, Hamilton a little bit. Absolutely, we need to talk Hamilton. So, okay. uh, for those that don't know in uh, who are watching, um, me, Ben, Moises, who we talked about earlier, and Alex O'Neill, um, we've kind of like created ourselves as like a little quartet to mirror um, the the quartet yeah. of Hamilton and his friends in uh, in in the show. So you've got um, uh, Lawrence, you've got um, Mulligan, you've got Lafayette, and uh, and Hamilton himself. Yeah. Um, I uh, in in talking with with Alex over the weekend, um, we talked about who's of of Alex and I, who is Hamilton and who is Burr, and I said I'm Burr. You're um, not Burr. And and we've we've kind of stepped outside of that, and I I rethought it um, as I was listening to the Hamilton mixtape on my flight back home. I was like, oh shit, no, I'm Washington. Yeah, <laughs> I'm totally taking uh, Washington. I mean, when we grouped ourselves, we were grouping ourselves into that four. Yeah, um, just into that little. And because like, who I am, I think varies a lot depending on how broad you're willing to go. So if you're talking like any male character in Hamilton, I'm not entirely sure who I am. Um, I feel like Lafayette's a good fit. Um, I am French, but I mean not entirely French, but I, a significant part of my ancestry is French. Um, Bellevue, yeah. Bellevue, yeah. Be- oh well, see, I don't have the last name because of my French ancestry. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, throws people off. They're like, so you're French? I'm like, yes, but I'm also part Native American, and we grew up, and like that part was from lower eastern canada where the french took over so they just gave us that name bellevue means beautiful view so i just assumed one of my ancestors was hot um yeah um (laughs) so i uh what was i saying 
But like, if you just if you open it up, that I could be any character in Hamilton. Which one defines me? I'm Eliza. I'm 100 percent Eliza. I took a quiz. Okay. I took a quiz. Oh, which Hamilton character are you? Quiz, and it said Eliza, and I was like, yeah, that's what I expected. Um, yep. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so when we when we talked or when we when we were hanging out, um, like the mix the Hamilton mixtape now, uh, like the series of like remixes and songs inspired by Hamilton and some of the cut songs had just dropped. Yep. You'd you'd listen to had you listened to it? I like, think I listened to all of it. Um, okay. There might have been a couple songs at the very end that I didn't hear until I drove up on Friday, but I definitely heard all of it by the end by like Saturday. I heard all of it. Okay. So what are your th- now now that I've I have listened to it myself and can be more informed on the conversation? Sure. Um, what are your thoughts on on the Hamilton mixtape? I like it a lot. Um, I never. I listened to all the you know tracks being dropped throughout the time period and i knew i liked some of them more than the others um for the most part i prefer the songs that are inspired by the concepts or like a certain phrase like immigrants is great um congratulation which isn't inspired it's a cut out from the actual show that wasn't used Mm -hmm. um but i love congratulations um so it, it is a mixed bag especially for the covers of songs i love um but there are ones i like a lot i like it's Quiet Uptown by Kelly Clarkson a lot. I like um, Dear Theodosia, the the first one, not the reprise, a lot. Um, the uh, Regina Spector and Ben Folds version. Yes. I like, um, I forget what it is. It's whatever Watsky does. It's fun, though. I enjoy it. It's, um, oh, the, the, he insults John, John Adams, the yeah. The John Adams rap? Yeah, the John yeah. Adams rap. Um, and I love Watsky, so I was, like, really excited when I heard he was going to be on it. Um, but overall, I like it a lot. I kind of see it as a companion piece to hamilton the actual soundtrack obviously um so in a way it's like i can listen to hamilton and enjoy all of that and if i want a different take on a song i just want i want to keep listening to hamilton but i'm a little too sick of the original hamilton because i listen to it all the goddamn time um i can go to the mixtape and listen to that and have a good old time there and then go back to hamilton and it won't be so familiar yeah i'm i'm in the same boat um uh, in terms of like the songs, congratulations is the one that I keep it's so good. myself going back to, so um, and it was like of the of the songs that had been cut from the show because um, I I had already listened to like all of those in like previous versions, mm-hmm. um, like I I tracked them down on YouTube, so I'd already heard all of them, um, and and that um, that and and the the John Adams rap are the only ones I think that they really actually like redid for this as opposed to just. Lin Manuel's yeah, demos, Cabinet Battle Forge, Number Three and Cabinet Battle Three yeah. are, are just him, yeah, um, doing them um, and doing all the parts. So, uh, so yeah, the fact that they they rec- like congratulations was my favorite of those, and so the fact that they recognized the the strength of that song um, and gave it kind of the full like let's let's bring in another uh, another artist to kind of do it, um, uh, I think uh, speaks to their confidence in that song as well. Um, I yeah uh, what, like immigrants and wrote my way out are probably a couple of my favorite songs. Mm, like, wrote my way out when good. immigrant when immigrants dropped, like I I listened to that and just immediately like was addicted to the beat and mm-hmm. uh, and and the the word flow of it. Um, uh, wrote my way out like I like I will listen to that and sing the like the hook of that one like on my way to lunch every day basically at this point now at work. Um, so that's that's a ton of fun. Yeah, the um, I think the I think kind of like you touched on. I think maybe the the weakest elements might even be the like 
some of the just the, the straight up covers. Yeah, um, I don't like my, my taste. I don't like the John Legend cover of History Has Its Eyes on You at all, which yeah. bothers me deeply because I love John Legend as a musician, and I love Chrissy Teigen, so I want to love John Legend just because of my love for Chrissy Teigen. Uh-huh. But yeah, I it it definitely like they they like that and wait for it. They play with the syncopation in ways that I don't. Yeah, that, that don't. The that thing just are are different enough that I'm like, ah, but yeah. Like, I, but like it, the the original is so good. Why did you? Like, yeah. Why did you mess with that? The thing is, so. like, I love. I think at the end of the day, I kind of love the mixtape, even for its faults. I love that we are at this point where we were so willing, or people were so willing to create this thing that does mess with it and explores and experiments and tries new things. Um, mm-hmm. And not just in like, and let's stand behind, let's stand in a stage, soundstage, and like experiment, but then not release any of these things. Like they, they put it out and it exists. And I think that's cool. I don't think everything, we have the album that's perfect. This is a mixtape. Yeah. This is a way to try things out, to have some fun. And I don't need to love everything on that for me to think it was yeah. worth it or be happy with its creation. Yeah. I'm like, I, he's Lynn Manuel's already like made tweets alluding to a like mixtape volume two, um, which I'm like super excited at the prospect of for some of the songs that didn't get like love here. Um, like I, like, I don't know, something, something like, um, like imagine like a destiny's child do, doing Skylar sisters or something like that. Oh um, God. Yeah. Would be, and, and like, if anybody could pull it off, I think Lynn Manuel is is that person. Yeah, um, to to get Beyonce to come in and do that. Um, uh, yeah, so like like nonstop. I want to see kind of um, reworked and played with a little bit, um, just because that's one of my uh, one of my favorite songs on the album. So uh, yeah, I'm interested to see kind of what they do with it. Oh, like the I think the only the only like inspired by song that I didn't really. That I didn't really connect with was the um, "Say Yes to This." I hate one. that song. Yeah, it's, I like, hate I that song. I, I can't stand why, it. But it's it just hits me in all the like, maybe yeah. I just don't because like, it just, just it flows poorly and it doesn't do anything interesting with the concepts. It just changes a word and think it's like I don't like it. I don't like it. The, yeah, the, I mean, like they, they they just kind of write a new song yeah. over the music of the original song and don't really they don't really abide by the the tempo at times and the and and the you know the the time signature and stuff and it's just like i now, don't know why you like ugh, yeah that's, well, what, that's like that's that's the weakest on the on the album for me well i think would have been cool and what i kind of expected to be what happened when i saw the title say yes to this would have been for it to be the say no to this storyline but from the perspective of um mariah mariah thank you um, Mariah Reynolds and like I think that would have been cool and I think that could have worked but they just kind of did this weird thing and I don't like it yeah and I, like I, I, I thought the exact same thing but then as I started thinking about it more I'm like I mean say yes or say no to this is split between Mariah and um, uh, and Alexander so it's but it's, it explores his headspace like yeah very not true. hers very true yeah that's that's absolutely um, absolutely fair um Cool. Uh, well, to to Cameron's second point of personal and professional rivalries, 
do you have any in the in the vein of an Aaron Burr versus Alexander Hamilton kind of? Rivalry? Yeah, uh, not really. I don't have much of a profession at this point. Um, I go to school. I like everyone for the most part at my school. Um, mo- most of the film majors I know, most of the people I know, are in my fraternity, um, and we're all a family. So I'm not going to have a rival rivalry with them. Um, I have a rival with. Why can't I say that word right now? I have a rivalry with Danny Juarez, apparently. He decided okay. that. I didn't. Um, what did you do to piss off Danny? I had a differing opinion on something. I forget what it was. I think it was Suicide Squad. Um, oh. Or Harry Potter. It might have been Harry Potter. It was one of the two. Could have been a combination. Um, but, yeah. There's that. And then we, like, we decided we were going to be friends. I mean, we're, we are friends. But we decided yeah. we were going to be... Um, like not rivals over PSX and we weren't and he posted something a couple days ago I forget what it was but I looked at that no it was, was Spider-Man it, he's like I don't care about the Spider-Man, Spider-Man trailer and I was like yeah. we back I hate you I love you but I hate you you're dead to me again yeah, yeah. Um, for me uh, like I mean in, in what I'm currently doing um, the closest I would have that I would say would be like Alex O'Neill but it's not it's, it's not like a rivalry rivalry yeah. it's like we push each other to be better yeah um kind of rivalry um uh, and there's nothing but love between us in in like in my past life doing acting and stuff uh i definitely faced it much more because in in theater and and film and stuff there's so much is like casting is so much based on type so mm-hmm. there was like me and my friend nathan and my friend tyler who again we're all friends but like we were pretty much always going up against this each other for the same roles and so it was like there was a little bit of rivalry going on there where um you know one of us uh, like one of us would get it um in like over the other two or something like that and and you know i'm sure there were more people but those are the those are the two couple of guys that that come to mind uh, immediately um blessing uh ed oh damn it i was eddie eddie oye um blessing at blessing jr uh, asks a uh, question which we already kind of touched on a little bit. How did he end up being the nicest guy on Twitter? Again, I have tricked you effectively, apparently. Um, no, I I like you guys, and I want you to like me. And I, like we went over the fact that I moved beyond pretending to be someone I'm not. But I try and focus on being a nice person to people because that will make them like me. So it's a it's a very like self centered way to do it. It's like absolutely. Yeah, yeah, like I, it's not that, I, and I don't want to hurt people, um, either. But I, I definitely know there are moments where, like, I play up the niceness because I'm just like, this will probably look good. Yeah. Um, and it, it's not that I don't believe it. I just focus on it more than I might if I was not thinking about it. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jasmine Townsell, <coughs> Jasmine Townsell at Snazasaurus asks, "Where do you see the trend of games going in the new year?" Jesus. Um, I feel like. To a degree, what next year's trends in games are going to be are kind of locked down already. Like, you know, for the most part, what's announced and what's coming out. Um, There'll probably be some indie games that come out and surprise everybody, but I have no idea, honestly. Yeah, I mean, like, I I would go industry-wise and say kind of, we'll see kind of advancement of some of the trends that I think started. Yeah, that's the thing. I think it's just progression. seeing, yeah, uh, like, in, in terms of, like, like... I'm not. I'm not talking at it, or not not approaching it from a sense of like last year was the year of the open world RPG, where you had like Fallout and you had um, Witcher mm-hmm. and 
to to an extent like Metal Gear Five, the hundred hour experience. Um, uh, I'm I'm looking at it more like next year. You'll probably have more publishers like Bethesda basically holding review copies and saying, "Oh yeah, oh, okay, th- this is fine." So we'll go ahead and do that too. Um, and I think uh, what we're already seeing with with like Sony, I think you'll continue seeing where people are just very gun shy of announcing release dates because oh. of how how the fever pitch goes nuts when that game gets pushed. So I think you're going to start seeing or continue seeing more and more games that are announced and teased years before they're ever going to come out and no dates given or uh, the the next year given but no like firm yeah. kind of um, timing I could definitely anything I could definitely see if not in this year I think it's something that's progressively going to become more and more of a thing is games will hold their release date more because yeah. because like the companies are realizing we have to be way more sure than we've been because yeah. people are, like it's, it's funny I South Park the Stick of Truth should be out by now. Like right. I I have I spent $60 to pre-order that um digitally on my PS4 because I wanted to get or not the Stick of Truth um the fractured but whole. Fra- the fractured yeah. but whole. Yeah. Cuz so I cuz I pre-ordered it to get the Stick of Truth and I played the Stick of Truth and it was lovely and I I'm glad I did that. But I have this game that I've spent money on just waiting for me and it doesn't come for a while now cuz it got pushed. So it's just like I especially when you do something like that where you push so heavily for people to pre-order and drop all their money right then, you really need to hold your release date. Yeah, that's and yeah, so I I definitely think that you'll start seeing dates are being held until they know it's going to come, and then they'll give you probably like three months. Mm-hmm. But they'll still they'll still say pre-order now. Oh yeah, and there will just be a, a placeholder date of like the next year or something like that. Um, just uh, don't pre-order. Because- Unless it's a, a collector's edition, just don't pre-order. Yeah, that's that is. Uh, it's, sadly, like I feel like we're speaking to the choir when we, I know. when we say that yeah. kind of stuff. And and I'm like I I'm guilty of it myself. Oh of yeah, just pre-ordering games. Like I I do it though. I'm not doing it. I'm doing it so that I can be part of the conversation coverage-wise, not because I need to play the game day one. Um, like. And and sometimes I just don't yeah. at all. Like Last Guardian, I'm like, ah, eh, like I might get around to that. It's still on my list of games I want to yeah. play by the end of the year, but I didn't pre-order it because I didn't care about it. Yeah. The only pre-order I have out right now is for Persona uh, Five. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is the it is the collector's edition. Yeah, I mean, there's a difference I think between first of all between pre-ordering and collector's edition because that's an exclusive. Like I have the Horizon Zero Dawn pre-order out. I got home from PSX and the Persona Five collector's edition was still on Amazon. I was like screw it so i have that pre-ordered now too um but like if you pre-order a game three days before it comes out that is a completely different story that is basically just you guaranteeing that amazon will ship it to you that on the day you want or that it'll be preloaded onto your ps4 um and ready for you but pre-ordering months in advance or even weeks in advance it's like why unless you're getting something specifically like i got the stick of truth or the clutch edition like it's just 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 Especially if you're in a place where you can play digitally, and yeah. we'll buy, we'll be buying digitally. There's n- like the only reason would be so you can play it like when it unlocks. Yeah. But um, but otherwise, I mean, you're like you, scarcity in 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 gaming is not a thing like it used to be. And I think like if you, it, they, yeah, and like I think if you buy it, sorry, I think if you buy it a couple hours before it releases officially, or like a day before it releases to preload it, I don't even consider that pre-ordering. That's just that's just 
buying it. Yeah. Um, Fiona McKinnon asks, if you had to be someone else in the community for a day... Oh, yeah, at, at Zeranix, sorry. Um, uh, if you had to be someone else in the community for one day, who would that be and why? That's such a weird question. Um, who would I be? I mean, Zyger has the Zyger money and the connections. Um, <laughs> I'm just thinking about, like, there are people who I respect so much. Um, like, I respect you and Alex for how much you work to, as writers. Um and how and the connections you guys have built um and i respect Allie because she's a freaking genius um and one of the best people i know but those qualities are you as people not like your your mental state so if i became one of you for a day i either i like i'm still gonna have my mind or it's irrelevant um so it just kind of becomes like who's in a situation that i want to like live that life for a day so, I want to be Andy Cortez because he works at <laughs> Rooster Teeth. That is the life I will take. I will be a terrible animator for a day because I don't know that shit at all. But I'll take Andy Cortez's life. I've never met Andy or spoken to him, so if he ever sees this, this is a weird thing for him. Nice. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll be sure to try and clip this segment out. <laughs> okay. And be like, I want to be Andy Cortez. I want to be Andy Cortez for a day. No, no context for him at all. Yeah. I'm just gonna send it to okay. him and be like, hey, it's fair. Heads up, dude. Uh, this guy might want. I'm stealing your life. Um, uh, well, since you're going Andy Cortez, I'm gonna say Brienne, so I can then have dinner with Jeremy Johns and say, "Hey, go ahead and uh, and tweet at this uh, Mr. Bento See, box guy." Or, also, or in also this case, at Maximum Cortez. Also, a great option. I don't want to deal with two kids. That's that's fair. Yeah, um, I will like, fail. Part, I mean, to to the to to that in a more legitimate sense, I, like I do think of like somebody like Brienne or someone like Allie just to like, I already know that this industry and, and culture is way worse for women and it sucks and it's horrible. And I don't, I don't get that. Like I I don't, I don't know to the level of of what kind of like shit that those people get. Like Like, if I'm like, I'm friends with Brittany Brombacher at blonde nerd. Mm -hmm. And she tweeted out the other day that somebody like froze her in a video. They like took a screenshot of her with her mouth open in a video and photoshopped their dick into it. Wow! And it's like, and and sent it to her. And it's like, how, how, like, what kind of mental toll does that take on, on yeah. you when you get that as much as as you do? That like that's horrifying and just terrible. Um, and so yeah, if I could have, I guess I, if I could. If I could experience it so that I can be more empathetic and try and be a bigger, um, uh, like defender of that coming out on the other side, that's, that's probably what I, what I actually would Yeah, think. that's, that's a really good answer. Um, I was thinking of it in like a fun way, but yeah, if I, if I could be in Ali or Brienne's place for like a day of a convention, just walking around, um, seeing what's posted on their YouTube videos or something, yeah, that's that would probably be the most insightful and like character growing experience I could have. That would be interesting. Yeah. All right. And, and closing us out, um, we, we have Alex. Oh, Jesus Christ. Alex Alex underscore Simon underscore DP, uh, who, who asks why are trucks? (sighs) Okay. You don't know Alex. Um, Alex, I don't. Alex is in my fraternity. I, he goes I, to school with me. I don't. I'm assuming this was a guy you know who yeah. an, an inside joke. Yeah. Because my answer is 
Why our trucks? Because America. I love that answer. Here's the thing. It's not an inside joke whatsoever. Oh. <laughs> it's just Alex. He's a walking meme. Um, I, I had a Snapchat yesterday that was just a photo of him with the caption, my least favorite meme. Because um, he is. No, I I like the Because America. Um, I don't have a good I don't have a good answer for that. Like okay, you, like the Because America like seals the deal. That's the best answer. Not not because just cause. Oh, cause you're right. You're right. C U Z apostrophe M E R I C A. Alex, Because America. <laughs> Great. Uh, well, that wraps up the trove topics uh, for uh, end this week of trove. Topics. Awesome. Um, thank you, Ben, for for joining me. Um, go ahead and, and make any kind of like plugs or social media stuff that uh, uh, think, uh, that you want to sure. try and get people to follow. Yeah, um, you can follow me on Twitter, which is where I'm the most active at Mister Underscore Bento Box. Um, you can follow me on Snapchat uh, Ben Two Game, which is B E N Two T O Game. Um, I don't do super interesting things like all my friends. Like, I don't have a podcast. I don't write blogs. I have none of that. So you're following me for very insightful Twitter posts about how much school is killing me. Just keep and that how, in mind. And how great Hamilton is. Yeah. And you can follow me on pretty much anything else at Mr. Bento Box. Um, PS4, Instagram, everything. I've claimed it for most, I've uh, claimed it for most sites. Awesome. Yeah. Well done. Because uh, because my branding is just atrocious. Because I go from snarky starky to t starky zero eight one zero on some things, and then other things I'm just Trevor not starky or something like that. Right. I, I'm pretty sure I'm just that on on Snapchat. Because um, I yeah I I did not think hey I should like unify everything under one name. Um, or when I did start thinking of that with like snarky starky, I was like, well, I've already got too many things that I can't change my names on. Yeah. Issue, hey. Um, I've deleted. Uh, so. I deleted my old account when the PS4 came out. I didn't delete it. I still have it. But like when the PS4 came out, I just created a new PSN account. And I was like, I'm Mr. Bento Box now. Screw it. Cool. Nice. Um, but yeah, you can follow me uh, at Snarky Starky, as I just said, uh, or you can follow the show at Trove Talk. You can. Uh, the big thing I've done recently, um, as of recording this, is I wrote up my PSX um, detailed like day by day breakdown of of the event. Um, nearly. 8,000 words uh, that you can read over on trevortrove.com and God willing by the time you're seeing this I've also added um, a couple of think pieces kind of outside of the gaming sphere one of them being um, I want to uh, I'll be touching on the Hamilton mixtape uh, and then another being uh, as we talked about earlier in the show kind of my theory on or my, my fear of Newt Scamander becoming like a supporting character in his own movies with the Fantastic Beasts series. So um, look for those. Hopefully they should be up on uh, on, on trevortrove.com. And uh, yeah, I think that's, that's about it. Until next time, treasure your friends.